I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The pitch to Aramis. There's a drive. Deep left center. Cubs win. Perfect 3-0 record on the season has held opponents to a 232 batting average. He features an average fastball in the high 80s, low 90s. Soriano skies that one, and it is going to go, I think. It's gone. Dunn gave up on it. That ball about three rows in. A leadoff blast on the first pitch. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap. And with us, as always, is Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Well, Andy, another day, another dispiriting uh, Cubs performance. So, uh, so it was good it was for them. Funny, somebody on uh, on the Twitters the other day was like, uh, I don't remember a season like this. And I first my, my first response was, the Cubs, we've had plenty of seasons like this. And then I realized... This is this is just 1999. Yeah. Well, we know we I I, I beg to differ before we spin the wheel. Uh, we boiled it down, of course, pretty quickly. I think amongst you, you, you and myself, and of course TJ, TJ Brown, John Dooley usually has a pretty has laid out pretty well, and and, and just sort of bantering quickly back and forth. I kind of I think I threw out 99 and 97. The lose the 11 game losing streak, which was just snapped yesterday, uh, harkens back to the. 0-14 start to the season that we had in 1997, which we covered when we did that season. Uh, but for me, and I'm sure for you as well, it, it harkened uh, back to 1985. Uh, but 1985 and 1990, it, it, 1999 is a valid comparison because you have a team coming off a playoff appearance and getting off to a good first 60 days before collapsing. Yeah. So it definitely lines up with 99, but 85 was kind of the same thing, almost down to the... You know, and all the, the injuries and... Well, injuries. The difference was that the 85 team was an actual good team that got crippled by injuries. This bunch and is age. a mediocre team that got crippled by injuries. The 99 team or today's team? Today's team. It's same with 99. And, to I, you know, I, I settled on 85 because of the sort of uh, falling off of a cliff um, after a hot start. Which you know we haven't discussed eighty five and ninety nine, so well when we do, we'll go into great detail. But the losing streak itself is is one of those ordeals that we've had experience with. Whether it's the season opening scarring ninety seven one or the nineteen ninety four home losing streak, eighty five though is the second longest, and it was you know it was as the team was soaring high, first place in middle middle of June, yeah. and suddenly lost thirteen in a row. So you, did you see the video that Kevin Kadic 
post it was the, the it was the beginning of the eighty five highlight film and it was this horrible ambulance pulls up and it was and great. They mentioned that the Cubs had been in either first or second place every day until the losing streak started. And nineteen eighty five, I went to uh, I only went to the best uh, basketball camps you could go to. I went to the University of Dubuque basketball camp. Funny, I went to Jerry Sloan's in the same summer at Aurora University. So we'll have to share. If we do eighty five, we'll have to share our experiences because yeah. So I uh, I was there, you must were you there during the four game sweep at Shea Stadium? Was that where you're about to? I think so. All I remember is they weren't playing very well when I left, uh-huh. and I got home. And they still hadn't won. Yeah. And yeah, we went to the game at yeah. Wrigley where they broke the streak. I got, I like, also we were all excited. Match. We had tickets, and this was great. Yep. The Cubs are in first yeah. place. We get the That's tickets. Great. And by the time we get there, the fucking season's over. And it's just... Well, it was. All right, I'm not going right. to say any more. Um, yeah, that's right. We have it. We'll actually wait till we do the season. The other thing that happened, did it happen that year? It was either. God, I got to. If I was Bill Simmons, I would know. So I went I went in 85 and 86, and one of them, the draft happened while – the NBA draft happened while we were there. And it was Len Bias the Bulls died. Drafted, oh, that was 86 when the yeah, Bulls passed on Johnny Dawkins for Brad Sellers, and we were angry at the time. I remember we were in the cafeteria when the word started going around that Len Bias had, had done cocaine once in his whole life, and his heart exploded. What a, oh, what a terrible – tough luck. <laughs> that was nah, he's a hell of a guy, and he just tried that cocaine that one time, and boom. Just so happened. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that was 86. Um, 85, I, I was at the Jerry Sloan camp when the draft took place, and it was announced that the Bulls had drafted uh, Memphis State, which we called Memphis State at the time, stud Keith Lee, and who was later traded for Charles Oakley, which turned out to be a brilliant move by Jerry Krause. But at the time, nobody knew who Charles Oakley was. We all knew who Keith Lee was, but obviously Krause knew something we didn't because Oakley had a good career and Lee didn't. But yeah, Bulls drafts. Didn't know it would break out mid-80s yep. Bulls draft before we even spun that damn wheel. We're going to spin the wheel, <laughs> land on the air, and we're all going to talk about whoever the Bulls drafted that year. You know, a little Bulls trivia. Did you know they drafted two Olympic gold medalists in 1984? <laughs> Would they both have been from North Carolina? No. Technically? Uh, well, I thought uh, it was Michael Jordan and Carl Lewis, right? Oh, was Carl Lewis from North Carolina? It was, he I was, can only he picture was, him in the Santa Monica Track Club yeah. shirt. So I, I, can only, I can only recall the Eddie Murphy bit where, I'm Carl Lewis. <laughs> I don't know how you looked that one up, but... Uh, I remember. Set, what was the sense of drafting Carl Lewis at a basketball? Well, draft? the NBA had ten rounds. I know, back then, which, right? But you know, at the end, they were drafting, and he was in the tenth round. It said, I remember. I'm almost positive. I could be wrong. Uh, you can look it up. But uh, Carl Lewis, I remember. I thought it said North Carolina. I'm like, oh, same draft, you know, same school that they got Jordan from. That's before Jerry Reinsdorf started ordering his GMs to draft like the daughters of players, like he did in the baseball draft, or Casey Fisk. Northwestern right. superstar and son of Carlton. And Ed Lynch is sitting there going, hey, that guy's stealing my bit. I'm the guy that signs players yep. whose parents sure, I'm Sure, Ed probably tried to trade for him. Ooh, good bloodlines. Let's get him. All right, so the podcast, <laughs> as always, is brought to you by absolutely nobody. <laughs> and it's time to spin the wheel. Last week, uh, one of our one of the best, 1998. Was that fun. was fun. Means we cannot get stuck. We can't get stuck in 1997. We already did it. Already did it. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, we will not talk about the 1999 Cubs today. Yeah. 
If you're so kids, if you're looking for a comp to the losing streak and possibly the season, uh, since we already did 97, uh, it would have to fall in 85. Otherwise, otherwise, who knows where where it'll turn? It has a funny way of popping up at things we already mentioned. So it'll be it'll land on 1984 because that's what we it, it did last week. Right. Yeah, we mentioned 1989, and boom, there it was. Yep. Now here we go. It's got to land in the 80s. We're we're very low, and it's not going to land in the 80s. But it's not going. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, we did 96, so it's... Thank we, God. We, we left it in. Yes, right, we, have we have to respin. We have to respin. We forgot to pull out 96, so we got lucky. I could edit this, but I'm not going to because I'm too late. No, it's better. It's better because that was an honest That was an honest deal. If, if, it was, if we hadn't discussed 96, it would have been discussed, but it's still... We're going to get a playoff season. We're getting Jock Jones in the 2007... Chicago Cubs. Yes. All right, five facts about this. Five fast facts. 2007 uh, Chicago Cubs. Off the top of my head. Well, we've got, of course, uh, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Lou Pinella, making as much... Uh, um, hey, what, uh, what, do want, what do you want me to do? Anticipated uh, season debut. Also, fact number two, season debut for uh, Theodore uh, Roosevelt Lilly, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Um, and I'm going to mention a third fast fact while I'm just in the areas of who who was new. We're going to... Um, if... if uh, or, uh, make a reference to Dick Stockton and call him Adolfo Soriano, but of course he was Alfonso Soriano. Um, other facts in 2007, moving on from just who joined the team. Uh, Carlos Zambrano punched Michael Barrett um, into his eventual DFA. So that was fun. And uh, you mentioned the Cubs did make the playoffs, still a rarity in 2007, which as they all will be in all 32 seasons, because we are doing the pre Theo era where expectations uh, have been you know, altered. Uh, what I'm going to say that might be unique about this Cubs clinching uh, the postseason was that they truly uh, literally did it um, in uh, by, by backing in. They lost the game just, on a Friday night. Oh yeah, I guess I was going to say just like last that's week, but that's so. not true. They backed into the tie and then had to win to get in. So, yeah, and they also, like, we discussed 1998. They veritably backed in in 98 by losing six of eight, um, but they still had to win the, the playoff game. So they clinched after losing is basically the, the sort of odd, that, that incongruity that you sometimes see, and it's always, it feels a little weird. It's more fun to celebrate after you win. But they did go, and, you know, it was a um, – it was a bit of a slog for a playoff team, especially we hadn't, you know, we were somewhat still fresh off that earlier uh, iteration, 2003 and four. So it wasn't like as big of a gap as it was say between 89 and 98, some of the same players from the 2003 Cubs like Aramis Ramirez, uh, but they went in the shitter uh, under Dusty's last two and a half years, basically, or three. I mean, whatever, by the end of this 06 season, they were done, but they still had talent. Dusty just, you know, mailed it in and they brought in Lou and uh, kind of, you know, there were still some ennui the first couple months. And so that's what I mean when I refer to it as a slog, it really kind of, it took that team a while to get going. Um, and, you know, it was, it's a, uh, it's a season you'll take over so many of the others, but it really, you know, kind of went nowhere. So they were a, they were a juggernaut when they finally got going, they, they won 85 games, which was 
enough. Is that the fewest? Probably the fewest in our uh, lifetime. Um, fewest for a cup even, playoff team? Yeah, I think. It's yeah, because even the '98 team that we, you know, sort of derided a little bit, won '89 before the game won '63, so they won '90. Um, and yeah, the '89 team won '80. You know, 93, I think. So 85 wins. Uh, for once, it wasn't the Cardinals that benefited from a, a watered down Central. It was the Cubs. Do you remember the opening day starter was? I can name every opening day starter and every year that we're doing. And I can tell you that this would be in the midst of Carlos Zambrano's streak. My only question is was this one of the three or four or five opening days where Carlos just imploded on the mound? Or did we actually? Uh, uh, well, did it in Cincinnati. Yeah, it was at Cincinnati against Aaron Harang. And how the hell are you supposed to beat Aaron Harang? Um, not an implosion, but he didn't pitch well. You know, two runs in the first. He ended up giving up five in five innings. That's not. That's a and great the Cubs, performance and the by Zambrano. That was his probably his best opening day start. Uh, Cubs lost five to one. It would rank up there. The, the Reds at the time, I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for what they were. It's pre-Vado. Um, I think they were still in their sort of Well, here's how the season started for Carlos. He walked uh, future Cub Ryan Friel on four pitches, and Almost then he gave silent. up a home run to Adam Dunn. <laughs> yeah. so. Dunn did a lot of that. Um, we must not have done too many teams in the early aughts. I know we did 05, but I'm fairly confident that's the first mention of that redheaded bastard. Uh, he, I think he was a bit of a cub killer. He killed the Cubs and cupcakes. Yeah, and uh, fly balls hit the left. I mean, honestly. Yeah, let's um, go on, big guy. Pull the ball. We all know that that people that would jump on Schwarber's, Kyle Schwarber's lack of defensive prowess in left field were using the very highly visible anecdotal evidence of some misplays in the outfield, but he was generally competent. I, no, I do not recall hardly any instances, and I swear I saw this multiple times simply in Cubs games involving Adam Dunn, where he's just under a fly ball and he just kind of ends up kind of stumbling and they just can't catch it. It's not like a late jump and a bad dive. It's like, he's just, the ball's hit to him and he he just couldn't catch it. I'm like that. That's a bad left fielder. Adam Dunn made Kyle Schwarber look like Gary Pettis. <laughs> that's how bad he was. Cause I don't even know that he had an arm, right? He was a, he was a football player in college, but I don't know that he was a quarterback or anything. Cubs got uh, off to a, a great start. They were in sixth place on the 25th of April at 8 and 13. And it wasn't until. Doo -doo -doo. Well, they got into second for a while, but then they slumped again. Again, this is a team that won uh, 85 games. So even though they're in second, Pat Hughes alert, they weren't playing particularly well. And they were kind Which... of muddling around. They'd, they'd fallen back to fourth place. On Sunday, on Saturday, June the second, in a game against the Atlanta Braves at Wrigley yes. Field, our Much favorite Cub pitcher of all time took the and lose took the loss. Will Oman, and what do you remember about Saturday, June second? Saturday, June second is you. You nailed a, a very sort of iconic moment in the sort of Lou Pinella chapter of the Chicago Cubs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think that was sort of in the throes of a losing streak. Um, and even though I think you're, you're saying the Cubs are in second, third, fourth, I don't even know if they were 
around 500 during that stretch. I think mean, it was a watered down division. No, they were they, the loss. They were nine under after the loss. Okay. So I think it was that Saturday. You said this was the Saturday game in early June. Yep, against the where, Bucks. where I, I wouldn't even remember it was against the Braves, but it was with Pinella for the first time. You know, after dealing with this team that's kind of stopping and starting and kind of like not being able to get out of their own way, and even though you kind of see the talent in there, it's very frustrating and sort of a hamstringy feeling. They just couldn't really you know, get going. And this is when uh, Lou Pinella just basically erupted. Yes. Is that the one, or did That's I miss it entirely? Because there's another he did. eruption he that put happened. On, in, he put on the know. full Lou show. He he got in an argument with the third base ump. I don't remember what it was. If it was on a check swing, it was something. Was it Mark Wagner? It was It was nice and, uh, let's look, it was nice and close to Lou. He could just pop out of the dugout and take a few steps. And he did the whole thing. <laughs> Kicked dirt on him, took his hat off. Did the, he, he got the full yeah. Pinella. And, and, you know, when Lou came it to was. the Cubs. It was Mark Wagner. Was it Mark Wagner? Yep. Really? So, you know, also. What are you doing, it, Wagner? It, yeah. What are you doing, Wagner? He, so he's immortalized in, in, a, in, a, in a Hawk Harrelson call as well. But the funny thing, uh, like Pinella, so I know a lot of people that listen know, you know, have already lived this, and everyone is familiar with Lou Pinella, you know, a ball player going back to 69, but really, you know, came up through the, he had the Yankee sort of bloodlines and then, but kind of became a legend in Seattle with a team that we've mentioned ancillarily in the past. A lot of great talent, fun teams, never went to the series. Um, by the time though, and he went to Tampa after that, but by the time he came here, he was a little bit paunchier. Right, and you can kind of see it when he's taking on Wagner. So it's kind of funny. It kind of had the added element, not only of a, of this sort of historic red ass that we were very excited to see go off, but he kind of had, uh, you know, kind of more of an old man type element to it, which kind of gave it an extra kick. I thought, you know, lose gut kind of hanging out over his belt, and he was still, you know, big guy and still intimidating and still sharp, but. he, he, you know, it was what we were all waiting for, really. I think. Yeah, I, uh, I have a, I have a deep affection for Lupinella. He's he's one of my all time. He's one of my all time favorites. I do too. Oh, I don't know. Jack Jones is going to be uh, prominently involved in this. Let's. Uh... Was now Jack Jones was not debuting that year. Was he not on that craptastic yes, team? Yes, he was on the, the o- he was on the 06. Uh, so I he think was this a, is the he had to have. You think they would have picked him up if it hadn't been for Dusty? That's right. There's no way. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, just to, like I, I often like to do, just to, to provide that you know, context coming in. I already sort of did. But Pinello was coming in as Dusty was leaving. Dusty got to sort of leave saving face um, a little bit because he didn't – he wasn't fired, but his contract ran out. And um, But it was a team that had bottomed out, lost over 90 games, like so many that we cover. Uh, but it was still only just a few years removed from a playoff team. And so uh, it, that's what it took. It took them two months basically to de-dustify yeah. Uh, the clubhouse, and that's when Lou erupted. I think things really did. I know it sounds, you know, sort of meatballish, but I mean, they they did sort of turn it around at some point, and and that would have been it in early June. He does again, kicks away, Pagan toward third, the throw, got him. Oh, it was, it was Angel Pagan's oh, fault. Look at Mike Quaddy jump in to try to defend his run. Get it? He applies the tag, Pagan. And Mike Quaddy arguing, and here's Doesn't Lou. seem like a smart move by Pagan. It doesn't matter. There, there it is. There's the hat. Kick the hat. As a Cubs manager for Lou Pinella, 
And he is really <laughs> letting Mark Kick Wagner a little dirt out. on Mark Wagner. Of course, Wagner's a, day, a little bit of a red ass <laughs> for an up. But yeah, I like that. You don't see that anymore. Right? Look at that. He just keeps kicking dirt on his feet. <laughs> that was the old school shit that we would see growing up with like Earl Weaver and Herman Franks. No. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like I said, Lou is a little bit tubbier, right? You're almost yeah. at one point, I think. Oh, look at that, though, with the left foot. That was a long yeah. kick of the hat. Now he wants to go get his hat back. Nope. I'm a little worried, Bruce you Fremming. know, watching it's... this in real time. Oh, Bruce Fremming, there you go. Yeah. Another piece of work. Hey, that's keep it's pushing uh, Lou. You're shoving. Yeah, he's shoving Lou backwards. Yes. He's an old man. You can push him over. I do remember watching that, kind of being a little worried, like Lou almost Disney lost fun. his balance. And I'm like, you know, don't, don't you know. Don't hurt yourself or come off looking undignified, Lou. No, I, I loved every moment of that. So that was the uh, that was their sixth loss in a row. It dropped them. So they still lost. They still lost that game. They lost that okay. game. But then, then they took off. Um, okay. Lou would manage the next game, and then get the announcement would be made that he was suspended for four games, and it would turn the keys over to the great Alan Trammell for a series. Uh, Not Quaddy. Trammell. Yeah, Trammell, Trammell was still. the bench coach. Quaddy okay. was the third base coach. Uh, they went up to Milwaukee and they won. Uh, so they won the next day against Atlanta, ten to one, behind the great Sean Marshall. Okay. Yep. Yep. Went to Milwaukee, won seven to two, lost a heartbreaker, seven to five, then won three more and in now, a row. And the so and now the Brewers now again putting this in the context um, were in contention. I think even when we're Jesus, even when they started that series, this is kind of making me feel a little bit better about events. Uh, yeah, the Brewers were six up, were six over, and the Cubs were. They're not. Yeah, the Cubs are eight under. Yeah. Cubs are eight under five hundred in early June. So I, I was kind of um, underselling, you know, how sort of, uh, you know, how much of a malaise that they were in. They were actually borderline bad uh, until that point. And so to go into Milwaukee, uh, I, I had not recalled this series. I, I recall a, another one a few weeks later back at Wrigley, which we'll get to shortly, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, starting that series, Milwaukee was seven over before the first game. Cubs were uh, eight under, and the Cubs took two out of three in the series. And, um, with the Brewers – it shouldn't be hard for me to like easily recall Brewers like playoff teams because there haven't been very many. There were like fewer than seven, right? Like there's 81, 82, and then they didn't make it all the way until like the modern era, right? Like wasn't it one of these teams? I mean, were, were the Brewers themselves coming? I can't recall offhand. Um, I know they came in 08, I think, was yeah. when they went to the LCS. Brewers or, made the playoffs know. in the weird split season, 81. Uh, although they did finish first in the East, so they would have made it regardless. Uh, Eighty-two, obviously, they won the American League pennant. They can't. They went. They returned to the um, playoffs in two thousand eight as a National League team. All right. So at this point, that was the year. The that was the year. That was the year they got CC Sabathia, and the Cubs got Rich Harden. Mm. Right, and then the Brewers kind of slipped back to irrelevance, I want to say, as quickly as the Cubs, or maybe for a year or two. I think, were they back in 2011? They had like a three and seven year, something yeah, like well, they, that. So, right? obviously, the Cubs won the division in 08. The Brewers were the wild card. And then they won the division in 11. That's the year they, they played in the NLCS against the Cardinals and lost. That's the furthest they've gone since 82. Right, and they obviously have made the playoffs the last three years. They lost. This is actually their fucking golden era. This, this sort of weird annoying team of slap hitters and 
four inning starters. Yeah. They've really had one chance to make the World Series since 1982. That was against yep. the Dodgers in game seven. 2018, yep. and that's where they did the stupid shit in Game Six, right? Where they started Wade Miley for one batter. For one batter. Because Craig yeah. Council's so so fucking smart. Yeah, well, he, he couldn't stop getting cute all the way up through Game Seven. I never understood. Well, the funny that. thing was he started he started Miley because he wanted the Dodgers to uh, put all their righties in the lineup, and Dave Roberts was like, "Nah, just started his normal lineup." <laughs> so it didn't it didn't up. really help. And, and then they've lost. They lost the wild card game uh, in spectacularly hilarious fashion. Juan to the Soto. I enjoyed that. And then they uh, lost the uh, last year in the wild card series. Um, to First the series, yeah. So, um, we got it. almost uh, almost as bad as the White Sox. Really so they've lost life. five playoff games in a row. Okay, there's yeah. that. So and screw them. Won about two or three. So we can, you know, as annoying as they are, we can at least take that away, that we're far better than them now. Yeah, so the Brewers have been around for 53 years. They've been to the playoffs seven times. They have a pennant. They've never had a World Series. And their winningest manager is? Future Cub manager Tom Treblehorn, I'm assuming. No. No? Oh, no. It's also, not, it's, it's also not Harvey. No, George Bamberger, who came before him, right? No, it's Phil Garner. And didn't win a fucking thing for them, but a game, but some game. Hot damn! Five, he's, and even that, he's five or sixty-three wins is the most. He has a losing record with the Brewers. So, wow, most wins, losing record, but Scrap was able to convince them to keep him there. Stuck around for a long time. Well, Phil Garner's first year, I want to say, it was ninety-two. It was Molitor's last year, and they came on the they came within the you know a, a hair of uh, making the playoffs, and then they totally disappeared for a while, but Garner apparently got a lot of, was able to trade off that first season for a while. So good for him. So I guess to put it, you know, where does the, what is, how is that relevant to 2007? Well, even in 2007, in spite of the fact that we had not experienced the world series, even then we could probably look our, look, look down our nose a little bit at the brewers. Uh, they had been there in 82. Um, but you know, more to the point, they were the team um, that was in contention um, that particular season. And, you know, it's going to bear out in a minute. So, of course, the, that... the, the 2006 Cubs had been terrible. And then uh, 2007, you've got a new team president. That's right. Took over at some point in 06, right, John McDonough? That's, that, that's a good call. Yeah, we're still yeah, we're in you the last have, days. You still have Jim Hendry, but you have a new manager. Lou Pinella, and they decided they're going to spend some money. They're going to fix this the old-fashioned way. They're going to throw some cash at it. And yes, the first sir. big move they made was the the first really big Cub free agent signing since, what was it, we the biggest to, ever? Well, you could say Randy Myers, which I, you brought that up, and right. I think that's a good point. But this one was bigger. It would have been, even if you include Myers. And then you'd have to go back to Dawson, which even that is mitigated. Yeah. Or then by bringing events. back Maddox doesn't count. He was 38 years old. <laughs> no. I mean, it's $14 million, dollars, but still. It was probably the biggest signing before John Lester, right? And it was a uh, it was a move made around Jim Henry. John McDonough went ahead and basically made the deal, called, talked to the agent and worked out the deal himself, then told Jim, hey, I just signed Alfonso Soriano. That's right. And what was their plan for Soriano? To begin the season as the Cubs center fielder. He's going to fix center field for the first time since Andy Pafko. Right. Now, I'm glad this came up because I I have to set the record straight. I I was just Googling, just messing around. We've overlooked. We actually, he was brought up 
this guy, but there is a center fielder that manned the position for five years in between Andy Pafko and today, and he was brought up when Forklift was on our cast. But Rick in Monday? fairness, yeah, and he was a good center fielder. Yeah, because actually, you got you got to stop it at Monday. But even that's ridiculous. It was only five years. It was yeah. just Rick Monday, and he's the only thing between Pafko and today. Wow. But uh, it's from seventy-two to seventy-six, a five-year period, which again, it's not a high bar. We're only looking for one to do it for three years. Pafko um, never saved a flag, though. Did Correct. No, he, he did may give have up fought a home World run War II, too, but he didn't right. save a flag. I don't think. That's right. Actually, That's I right. If, I don't know if you. <sighs> right. So to address this age-old sort of black hole that the Cubs have had, they didn't matter. Uh, and you're right. Like there was a regime change. So you know we've spent so many years, and 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 we would. It's 30, 28 out of thirty-two seasons, we're under Tribune ownership, and this is too. But for the first time, it's not the same sort of revolving door of boardroom douche bags that Tribune had had going back to 1982. It was one little tiny man with a stupid white beard named Sam Zell, who, uh, so it was still Tribune owned, but it was not, you know, Tribune owned. It was really, and it, Sam had only, you know, he was looking to break down all their properties. And as a function of that, I think they, that's when, you know, they gave McDonough the green light and he would just sign anybody without even talking to Henry. Didn't matter. Yep. Hey, you figure, you figure it out. Yeah, got well, a hole in center field. I got Soriano. Make it work. Right. And the whole idea was sign him for as long as you want. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to be around to pay him. Somebody else is going <laughs> to inherit the contract. I don't give a shit. Pump him up and sell him. He treated them yes. like a stock and it was pump yep, it up yep. as high as you could get it and then sell it and then move on. And so uh, that's one that's one signing. Uh, and then Pinella, of course, was another, um, you know, that wasn't unprecedented because they went, they had gone, they'd started going large on managers in the, with Baylor, who was a big hire, yep, Dusty. which they'd never done. And then Dusty and then Pinella. So they were, they'd been in the market for the big time managers, but they, now they had a big time free agent to go along with it. So then they also had, a, they had rotation spots to fix. To yeah. Fill. Ted Lilly, you and, know, uh, that's, t- not, that's, so Ted, with uh, while Jim Jim Hendry being wheeled in for surgery to get what angioplasty, <laughs> that's right. On the phone, finalizing the deal with Ted Lilly. Good memory. He picked up everybody's favorite and a guy that was so good they named the TV network after him, Jason Marquis. Oh goodness, I had forgotten Marquis joined the team that year. And so there's their rotation to start the season. Was Carlos Zambrano, Theodore Roosevelt Lilly, Rich Hill, still pitching, Jason Marquis, and Sean Marshall. So uh, Dempster had been a reliever all this time then, still. Yeah, and he was still their closer in 07. Okay, okay. Uh, 66 games all in relief. And so this would be his last season as as a closer because he was very, very effective the next season as a starter. Yeah. Now, was this the year though that they made the announcement they were gonna they were gonna transition him to a starter, and then the next day they're like, "No, uh, uh-uh, just kidding, we're not gonna do it." And then they, gosh, I don't remember that. You, I'm sure you probably wrote about Lou that. Lou basically said, "Yeah, hey, we're gonna we're gonna uh, Demp- because Dempster was not good. He had a ERA of four and a half, four point seven three. That was being generous. Um, and then you had behind him, I know uh, a big eared reliever having one of the best years. Uh, relief pitcher. Wait, Jim Bollinger was out of the league. Oh, I, yeah, I know right. who you're talking Different about. Mr. Uh, Mr. Marmel, Carlos right? Marmel. Who, who, 
debuted the late the season previous season uh, as a starter a little right. bit, and, and then, then he kind of found his niche. He was good in 07. I think his, I think 08 was his best year, though, right? His yeah, yeah. And then, and then year was into, into 09, and then by 2010, it started yeah, trending the other way. So um, another interesting thing then oh. uh, in 2007 was that they were joined late in the season with the new experiment, which would be Kerry Wood as a reliever who made his comeback in a game that I attended on a Sunday night that in which Tom Glavine would win his 300th career game. All of that happened in the same night, Glavine for the Mets. But yeah, Wood uh, coming off probably, I don't know, was 18th, 19th, 20th DL trip, who knows at this point, uh, going into 07. But he came back as a reliever for the first time, I'm pretty sure. He did. twenty-two. He only pitched 22 games all out of the bullpen, 24 innings. Down the stretch. Yeah, I think the was the plan to have Woody take over as the closer. Was Dempster shitting the tub? Is that why all this was going on? I, I think they were going to go. It was either going to be remember. So the year before they had gotten Bob was too young, and Bob okay. Howery had been bad. But then in 07, Howery was okay. good, and then he was That's really right. good in 08. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, they picked up two guys, right? They got oh, how could we forget? So they're two big, they're two big deadline? bullpen signings: a righty and a lefty. Bullpen going into the season. Bob Howery. Don't tell me, because I hate this guy. He's in the Scotty year. Steve, yeah. Scott, Stevie. Stevie year. He didn't even, Penelope, belongs, didn't even know his name. Called him Steve. Who, right, which I love. Who belongs in the club of, like, your Brian Dempsters, your DeRosas, your those sort of milk toast white guys that, like, can, like, suck. And just as long as they talk to reporters and, you know, charm them, people, fans are going to, you know, not that. Iyer was a fan favorite, but he was one of those guys that always rubbed me the wrong way because yeah. he just felt like any, you know, he also gave up a stupid home run to Andre Ethier on a Sunday game in the summer at Dodger Stadium. That was a little bit of a backbreaker. Yeah, the Cubs signed, Cubs signed both of those guys, Howery and Air for Dusty in 06. And then they were still around. Oh, so. okay. So it was Air. All right. So they were signings the, uh, the, previous, the previous year, Howery and, I, and Air. Right. I don't even know if Air was pitching for them down so, the stretch. Other new additions on the uh, 07 Cubs. Uh, uti- the the world's greatest utility man who ended up playing second base most of the season. Mark DeRosa. Uh, yes. DeRosa had two fine seasons with the Cubs until the playoffs came around. Uh, former Expo great who was a Chicago native who was the right fielder. Um, Chicago native, former Expo great, right fielder on the two. 2000- oh, Cliff Floyd. Cliff Floyd. Our age, basically. He was drafted, I remember, a freshman at Northern out of uh, Thornwood. Mike Bratt's favorite pinch hitter of all time. Daryl Ward. Daryl Ward. <laughs> nice. Uh, the greatest backup, the second greatest backup catcher they ever had behind Hank White. Coy. Uh, Coy Hill Dolan. Hill. Oh, yeah, maybe we can have a catcher discussion. Is it not showing like three or four catchers on that team? Oh, it's going to be lots. If I remember, okay. they, and they traded for one for like yes. a week. Let's, uh, let's dive in real quickly. So we mentioned when we did um, 2005, we somehow rabbit-holed ourselves into a conversation about after the 2003 season when you know Damian Miller was going to be gone and A.J. Pruszynski was available because he punched his trainer in the balls and all assorted other things, and it wouldn't have mattered, or at least you know the the, the Giants got a haul for uh, you know for Pruszynski anyway. Um, 
but you know, Przinsky ended up with the White Sox. But in the early going, we didn't regret it on the field because the guy that Jim Henry got was Michael Barrett, who was pretty effective um, in, I guess, 04. Although he showed he had some red flags that yeah, we can discuss when we talk about that one season. One of the dumbest players ever. Right, right. 05, still effective, right? But still now making more sort of mystifying and saying, you know, mystifying plays and saying dumb things. And 06 is when he gets in the, 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 Knockdown, drag out with Pruszynski, uh, and by by that, and he, he kind of fits into that club with like Air and Derosa and Dempster, except he wasn't as glib because he was dumb, but he was also one of these guys like ah, oh, it would be so great to win a World Series here. Like it just kind of annoys me. It's like just shut up and play. Don't get, don't think about that. All right, we don't want your little brain, your walnut-sized brain, thinking about anything other than you know hitting the baseball. By 07, I think we were kind of checked out on Barrett and uh, just misplays and miscalculations and stuff, but he was the catcher going into the season. I don't know if you can nail down the, the date that the incident happened, uh, but it marked the beginning of the end for Barrett. On a, and I'm pretty sure it was a Friday afternoon uh, in May when he was having a miss. Let's just call it politely a miscommunication with uh, Carlo, the Carl, our much beloved Carlos Zambrano, that resulted in, I think, even with what the camera caught, was a little bit of an ass kicking. Yeah. Um, oh, he he, didn't, he repeatedly punched him, and no, and everybody was very slow to pull Carlos off, and you could tell it wasn't because they were afraid of Carlos. It's because they're all nope. like, oh, let him, ah, just give him a second, let him hit him a couple more times, because we'd all Maybe they all wanted smarter. to do it. <laughs> it was. I think there's this. Uh, um, I'm sure a Google search could turn it. Go ahead. Sorry. I think there's this feeling, right, that um, that uh, Barrett had been recently converted to catcher. Yes, he was a third baseman. Uh, but he Expos. caught 131 games for the 2001 Expos. So uh-huh. that's not. You don't really get the. You know, this is this is six years later. He'd been a was that full-time the... catcher for three years before the Cubs got him in the first place, or for four years, right? So I don't think it doesn't seem like you you get um, yeah. Well, he's still. Uh, we're gonna looks like we're gonna have a Sports Center. This might even be in Spanish. This would be great. Excellent. And by the way, I found a date, and I I, I think in the recesses of my mind. I had this connected, and, and, and that connection had sort of been severed. But it was the day before Pinella's outburst, so it was actually Friday. Oh, or Friday June was trying 1st. to deflect from the ass kissing. Ass yeah, kissing. I think it all ties. One. It all ties together. That's a very sort of a significant weekend. So what do we got here? Piratas ante los cachorros, Carlos Zambrano en Venezuela en su segunda salida tras volver de la lista de lesionados. Wild pitch y viene Nayer Morgan desde tercera. Vamos a ver el tiro al plato. Safe, dice el umpire. Oh, that's not. Is that where Carlos? That's Carlos throwing the ball into the stands. And I think was that also where he threw the umpire out? Maybe not. No, he did that a lot. He did the throw. Oh, it must. There's a compilation here. It's going to be in. This is harder to find than I thought it would be. You're going to just have to post it after. It would be fun. It would be fun to get our reaction. You know. But um, I thought that would be a slam dunk that you would be able to get well, punching. Because I want to hear what Len said. Oh, you don't. Uh, oh, I, you I hate to a, see that. The front, yeah, you know what? I will tell you. I remember this, and I'm positive this is when it happened. And you know, I love Pat Hughes, even if I criticize him. He was interviewed that night, and I almost laughed out loud because he was so sad, and he said he expressed how sad he was. Because they're like, Pat, how you doing? I was like. 
I just, it's just a really sad because they did not want to take sides. Right. And it's like, so that's, but I remember like Pat with like a heavy heart uh, being interviewed on uh, sports central, right. That evening. And just saying what a, what a sad day it was. But really the reality is it was a very significant day because between the, between Carlos Zambrano finally, you know, uh, pointing to the elephant in the room uh, and, you know, getting rid of just that pointless Michael Barrett and between that and Lou Pinella's, um, you know, theatrics the subsequent day, uh, that's, you know, if you're looking for a, a starting point uh, for the Cubs, that would be it. I see you're trying to find that the video because this is the Friday game. And I don't know if it was after a home run by the opposition, but there was like a and I, I wonder how much uh how much the game, the live game would have shown. I guess probably oh, I remember we I think enough. they had to come back from commercial and show it. Pretty yeah, sure. you wonder if that was it. Nope, that's a calm dog out. Yeah, it wasn't very sedate there. Well, well anyways, yeah. probably shouldn't waste time trying to find it during the uh because we'll play it for everybody. Right, so you'll you'll see it at the end, but it, it, obviously, uh, you know, I've already said at the beginning it was a team that didn't go anywhere, but it was a playoff team, so we'll give it its you know proper respect in that regard, even if it was a watered down division. But uh, if you're looking for a pivotal point, uh, that's the first one that weekend in June. So the first weekend in June, um, in ways that you can't quite maybe even discern from a box score. <laughs> in fact, you can't for either of them. <laughs> Whether it's Zambrano punching Michael Barrett's head in, or Zambrano or or, or uh, Panella picking up uh, or you know kicking his hat into the air with his left foot, um, that's what happened the first weekend in June. You know something you can't find in a box score. But then of course uh, the last weekend in June was probably the other huge, um, you know, the other big turning point, as Pat Hughes might be uh, inclined to say, where. Um, Facing the aforementioned Brewers, they had another another memorable Friday afternoon. Now, you know, for those of you that may have listened to the podcast last week in 1998, where Brant Brown just owned Fridays uh, at Wrigley Field in the summer, a little bit different here. The Cubs only played in the, in the June of uh, 2007. They did play on three Fridays, but it was the first Friday when um, Zambrano beat the hell out of Barrett, and then the last Friday, which Top we'll talk about later. But it looks Carlos like you found it. Off the mound, clearly frustrated. Michael Barrett frustrated. And a very heated conversation. <laughs> Pointing at his head. You yeah. gotta think, what man. Think? What are you thinking? Between the Cubs battery today. Like Barrett points Barrett at something like. Unfortunately, Bob and Barrett's right one, here. two. Zambrano and Barrett. They got him apart. So the coaching staff had to get in between. And I guess he didn't kick his ass on camera. From the Chicago Cubs. We do know that he kicked Boy, he never he kicked Yeah, down in the tunnel. Yeah. It's certainly yeah. understandable. You'd like I, to somehow I thought he pummeled him a little bit. That, that would be too remarkable, I guess. Too much to hope for. Um, I mean, everyone talks about <laughs> Babe Ruth's called shot. You know, there's Michael Barrett pointing to the scoreboard. I like Carlos Zambrano's called shot. <laughs> he just had to have Barrett call it before he started wailing on him. So, Barrett, um, so yeah, the Cubs got him in uh, in 2004. Instead was this a free agent? Did they trade of, for him? Uh, well, let's see. Where did they get I him? think they signed him, but they could I have had Przinsky. They could have had Przinsky for, I don't know, right. Brendan Harris. Who knows? Well, I don't know. Um, 
Oh yeah, I don't. No, I, I know Przinsky got uh, released. Uh, uh, he, All he had to do was sign him. No, no, no. Oh, by well, by two thousand seven, but they because they had hung on to Bear for so long. I was talking about after two thousand three. Did, did he get released by the Giants yes. after they? Yes, the Giants just released him. The Cubs tried to trade for him, and in the uh, but the, that's what it was. The, the Giants gave up a lot. We talked about correct it a couple weeks. Lariano ago. and Buffonzer and Joe Nathan. Yeah. yeah. And then I got uh, a, a year later, he was on the street, and the Cubs could have okay. Him up. And the so- and the, yeah, and the Sox did. Yeah, and the Sox had won a World Series with him, and then he punches out Barrett, and it's 2007, and Barrett's there. So really, okay. So this uh, is this is typical uh, Billy Bean stuff. So um, on December 15th, 2003, the Expos traded um, Michael Barrett to the A's. For a player named later who became Brett Price. Michael Barrett. Later that day, they traded Michael Barrett to the Cubs for Damian Miller. Ah, so I called Miller being the catcher in the 03 team. I I don't remember they dealt. But now here's where it gets weird. And I'm sure it was some kind of the Cubs had an advantage by doing the trade because the Cubs allowed him to file for free agency on the 21st of December. But then that same day, they signed him as a free agent. Okay. It must have been some weird contract thing. But so within six days he got traded from the Expos to the yep. A's, then the A's to the Cubs, then got sure. granted free agency, like, then signed the, with the Cubs. What the fuck was um Theo gonna or Theo what Billy Bean gonna do with Damian Miller? That's the thing. He's he used, basically it's, well, maybe he, tra- he traded <laughs> Damian Miller for um Tim Hudson and Mark Muller. I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but he did. So uh you know, if you just look at Barrett's numbers like in so in 04, he hit 287, 16 homers, 65 RBIs, 826 OPS. Like, ooh, that's not bad for a catcher. Yep. 05, he hit 276, 16 homers again, 61 RBIs. In 06, he hit 307. Yep. In 107 games, um, 16 more home runs and 53 RBIs. Yep. Uh, but but in the year of his butt kicking, he uh, had slumped to uh, well, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. 256. Well, and that's only a few months. It was, I think, it was the fact that he was not a good catcher. He was that's not exactly what it in was. the right position. He could have maybe, the I don't know. Pitchers complained that he didn't call a good game. Um, Did Lou, not Lou was not the kind of guy who was going to put up with that shit. He, in that's Lou's right. mind, your catcher. Remember, he had Dan Wilson in Seattle. Yeah, Barrington High School. Your native. job was to catch the game. Call pitches yeah. and catch the game. Anything he hit was a bonus for Lou, and Barrett was the opposite of that. He was going to fuck up jo- all the time behind jo- the plate. Also, Joe Oliver <laughs> won yes. a World Series with Joe yeah, so Oliver. That was the kind. That was so he didn't really fit the mold of a Lou Pinella catcher. And yeah, so okay, he was. Uh, he made it well, all the I, way until. Well, didn't, but didn't the season end in this crazy game with, between Colorado and San Diego, where Barrett kind of may have. Unless I'm just piling on unfairly, misplayed a, a ball. We're in the winning run score. Do you not have a record? I mean, I'm not going to make it, force us to look. Well, that's it up, the game where I, Matt Holiday scored the winning run and didn't touch home plate, right? Okay, could be. I scored on a wild pitch, I think, and or on Barrett some kind of catch. It was a play at the plate. Yeah, well, he got traded on June 20th to the Padres, which brings you back to my original point, right? So he Barrett's the first catcher, and the guy we got, I want to say this because I have not looked it up, was it not Rob Bowen? It was. They also yes. got uh, outfielder Kyler Burke, who was oh, yeah. really fast, and that was it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Kyler Burke never quite made it. So Rob Bowen, um, that was our that was our guy. I'm like, well, all right, we got rid of Michael Barrett. Rob Bowen, switch hitter. But jeez, I don't remember that. Oh, but jeez, yeah. but this is also around the time that your namesake is coming along. Because at one point, I went to a game with Forklift and uh, Chris Trojas, CT, and Bad Kermit, Mike Brott. That season, it was a walk-off uh, win. It was kind of a crazy game, and I think it was against Colorado. Soriano won it in a uh, uh, in a, a walk-off. I think Bob Howery had blown the game. Oh, Colorado. Yeah, it was a Colorado game. Uh, Soriano actually just had a he just had a like a, a walk-off single uh, in that game. But I remember in that game. Uh, their catchers were Rob Bone and Coy Hill, and Hill, who I had no faith in, no offense, had oh, some sort bad. of a weird. He had some sort of a weird double, not weird, just like he got a kind of a kind of a hold of one. Uh, you know, hit one down the line. By the way, so we're still in the month of June. It's almost chronological. I can refer you to June twenty fifth, uh, two thousand. This is the game. This is the game where I probably the first time I met. I may may have met Frank before. I met Chris, and. Um, and Mike and uh, yeah, so it was a hell of a game to to take in because I think the Cubs blew like a Bob Howery blew. He gave up six runs in the top of the ninth, so Cubs yep. blew, Cubs blew a six run lead. Uh, they had a five run lead. They blew it and then were trailing going into the bottom of the ninth. I'll let you do this because you do the uh, the play by plays better. Than well, it's me. funny because this game is always paralleled to another Colorado game. Um. In 2015, where the Cubs had just been no hit a few days before by Cole Hamels. They were kind of, yes. people were like, uh, you know, it was, they'd been this really fun team that yep. was, we could tell they were getting good, but they weren't good yet. And they blew a lead in the top of the ninth that it was going to be another loss. And then Chris Bryant hit the walk-off homer. Yep. That's and because it was the Rockies. And then in 2008, you're also going to have a ridiculous game where the Rockies got up huge on the Cubs. And the Cubs came back with uh, a day game. Jim yeah. was, was that a, yeah, and Mark a DeRosa huge had big hits in that game yes. too. DeRosa yeah, 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 might yeah, have yeah. two home runs. We'll worry about yeah, that yeah, when yeah. we get there. And yeah, so, game in, where another fr- so in okay, this game, uh, the Cubs were up um, seven to three going into the bottom of the eighth, and uh, half of the Cajun connection, actually the Cajun connection, uh, Ryan Terrio doubled. Soriano struck out. Mike Fontenot doubled in Terrio, and the Cubs have a eight to three lead. And holy shit, you can't lose this now. Nope. And so they nope. bring they bring the, our two buddies are going to combine here in the ninth. Uh, Scotty Air comes in, and he gives up a single to the great Kaz Matsui. Then he walks Matt Holiday. Then he gives up a double to Todd Helton, and uh, that makes it uh, eight to four. So then Bob Howery comes in. He's going to uh, restore order. Yep. And he gives up a single to Garrett Atkins, scores Matt Holiday, Brad Hopp, who we all remembered as the guy who had uh, broken uh, Mark Pryor's elbow with a line drive. Correct. Uh, he singled, and that scored Helton. And then Troy Tulowitzki. Yep. Because the Cubs could still get out of it. He was- Tulowitzki, three-run homer. Yep. And the Rockies are up. And uh, I want to say Tulowitzki was the eventual rookie of the year that year. I believe he was a rookie in that season. So, uh, yeah. Yes, we go to the bottom of the ninth. Everyone is despondent. And then this is who's coming up for the Cubs. Uh, Mark DeRosa, Angel Pagan, and Rob Bowen. And then if anybody gets on the pitcher spot. So, Brian Fuentes. 
the lefty for the Rockies. He, comes in. he was their closer for a brief period of time, I remember. Gives up a single to DeRosa, and Felix P.A. comes in to run. He's, Felix is the tying run, so he got to get his uh, his wheels on. Sure, this. yeah, tie that game up. You're at home. Pagan strikes out. Bowen grounds out. Two um, outs. And so Coy Hill is our last hope. This is what I remember. I called it a double. This because this is like it was like a thrilling thing because the guy was absolutely terrible, and he's the last out of the game, and he's in to pinch hit for Bob Howery, and he I remember the ball because like, you you've sat in my seats and he's like there's a point where the ball disappears but it's fair, he hits it down the line in left field and just sort of goes out and apparently it was, you know not far enough for him to make it to second, but. Uh, or drive home the run for that matter, or the run. You know, Madrosa was still on first. Well, I no, guess. part of the problem was the Rob Bowen's ground out forced Derosa at second. Yeah, almost, so you almost have a, a catcher play. running at first. So Hoy, right. so Coy, um, no chance at a double or even the runner going first to third because it's a catcher. So you've got two catchers That's it. on. That's it. So then That's Lou, um, Lou pinch runs for Bowen now that he's at second base, and it's Jock Jones. And I'm surprised Jock remembered which way to run. Yes, and that's after Coy Hill's hit. Okay. So then Ryan Terrio comes up, and he grounds out to second base, but there's an error on the throw. They try to just go the quick way to short. So now yep. everybody's safe. Bases are loaded, and Soriano comes up. That was the uh, aforementioned Kazmat Sui error, by the way. So he singles to center, which scores Jock and Coy Hill chugging around from second. Coy with the winning run, epic, epic. And, you know, I I had actually met Frank before because I think we needed him to play softball. Uh, And I may have met Chris before, Chris Roja. But I will tell you that that night we sat in our seats. and You've sat in those seats a couple times in 204. Uh, I know that uh, that was the first time that Frank met Chris. So, basically, I'm taking credit for that night being the birth of hockey night. Some of you listeners might be familiar with those idiots. uh, Long-running Blackhawks blog. But they never met each other till. Till Wally Phillips here bringing people together, yeah. connect Frank Troy and uh, Chris or Frank Chris Troy and Frank Nova for, uh, okay, for so hockey that, night. So You're while welcome, we're talking folks. about Coy Hill, we would be remiss for the people because we have some, we have some younger listeners and we have old listeners. There might be some who don't under, who don't think of Coy Hill as being anything other than a guy they've heard of who was a backup catcher who was bad. But there's just who we, so we much cele- more. We celebrate a lot of backup catchers. So yeah. much more about Coy Hill, and this this sounds ridiculous, but this actually happened. So. I don't exactly know which year. It was long before he got to the Cubs. But in the offseason, Coy Hill was doing a little woodworking, and he cut three fingers off of his throwing hand. Correct. He he almost passed out, but he didn't. He scooped up the fingers. His wife <laughs> took the fingers, put them in a plastic bag full of ice. And then this is the best part of the story. On the way to the hospital, she's driving to the hospital. He's telling her that when they go in, that she needs to bring a baseball. Did you know this part of the story? I don't recall it. I so may have heard bring it a baseball. So they come in, he's holding this bloody stump of a right hand, and she's got in one hand a plastic bag full of ice and Just three fingers. Wound. Not three fingers uh-huh. of scotch, three fingers of Coy no. Hill. And a baseball. Three fingers of scotch. Uh-huh. And they get in the emergency room and they tell the doctor, obviously, when they tell him when you reattach the fingers, he's a baseball player, he's a catcher. Make sure if you do nothing else, make sure he can grip a baseball. <laughs> like this what? is true. This is not this like, is act is not a Please apocryphal. don't put one of his fingers fingers on backwards, sir. 
<laughs> so if you ever saw, and I, I, I'll try, I'll try, I'm trying to find a picture. I'll put a picture on. There, that is the worst looking fr- fucking Frankenhand you ever saw in your life. It's just this gnarled mess of whatever. But he played for he did, he several did. years with that hand. With the Cubs and, and other he was teams. an excellent defensive catcher. It was really the only thing that kept him in the big leagues was because he really couldn't hit. But he was a good defensive catcher, yep. even with the yep. creepy yep. Frankenhand. Yep. He yep. threw guys out. I mean, he, I mean, he'd have been Yadi Molina if he'd never cut his fingers off. I'm positive. You'd have never heard of Yadi. Right. It'd be coy all the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it would big be, hit. Cardinal fans would be saying, you know, he, well, he wouldn't play for the Cardinals, but they would have said he can't trade Mike Trout for, for Coy Hill. That's right. Uh, he'd be, oh, God, they would, they would have a statue of Coy Hill uh, next to Musials if he played for, uh, played for the Cardinals. So it's funny. The Cubs have never, you think for all the cash grabs that the garbage family that owns the Cubs have done, one thing they've talked about forever is a Cub museum. And they'd have their own Hall of Fame, and they'd have their and own cut, which they don't have. Right? Are you telling me that you you better hurry up and do this while Coy's still around because you're going to want to yeah. do a plaster yeah. cast casting of that Frankenhand. That's right. That's yeah, got to that's be a huge part of the uh, people will line up around the block. People will come, Tom. I, people yeah, will come. Yeah. yeah, they have a lot of money. I don't know how much acumen they actually have. No, they're complete more. Um, you know, the more I look at it, the month of June, what a fun, that, that's where the whole month, we're, we're still in June and we, you know, Friday, Zambrano punches Barrett off the roster. <laughs> Saturday, June 2nd, P- Pinella finally goes off. They start winning. I don't even remember. They swept the White Sox at commit on the South side in late June. And then Soriano has this. How about that? They didn't just sweep, and, the, they didn't just sweep the White Sox two years removed from their, from their world series. The White Sox scored two runs that weekend. Beautiful. Yeah, I see that now. And they beat Burley and Jenks in two of the games. Howery got to uh, enjoy um, vanquishing. Uh, as, as we've discussed, we love when guys do well for the Cubs. Howery did well for the Sox, but especially nice when he did well for the Cubs against the Sox for whom he used to well, play. Well, it's clear here that by the middle of June, Dempster's not the closer. Yeah, the, the situation's up in the air. And I think that – I do remember. I think Kerry Wood was sort of – he never got the chance because we'll get to the playoffs when we finish here. But he never got – I'm pretty sure Wood was, I think, the guy that they were just going to roll the dice with as the back of the, the game. I could be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, as indicated by back-to-back saves in the Sox series, Howery, Howery. But Howery blew that game in Colorado. And one other thing that I want to go back to, aside from the crazy walk-off in that Colorado game and the comparisons to the game in 2015 and the fact that the forklift and CT, it was the first night they met, thanks to my Frank Sinatra ass uh, having them sit in my seats, was that after Howery blew that lead, some douchebag in a Cubs shirt – in cargo shorts, oh, jumped onto the yeah. field a little bit similar to when our uh, our future friend, and I use the, the word friend in air quotes, yes. uh, John Murray uh, had uh, tried to attack Randy Myers, which we'll discuss, in 1995. Not nearly as dramatic, and it was kind of hilarious and stupid and whatever, and we were all annoyed because the Cubs had just given up six runs and blown the lead. Uh, but that did happen in that Colorado game which was just for the record, wanted to mention that. And that's still uh, four days before the, the penultimate game of the month, which is probably the most iconic game of the year, which I playing on. I only saw it on Marquee Network. I don't have a block party a couple weeks ago. And one of the host garage had uh, a TV. They had a TV going on in the garage and the Marquee Network was on. Somebody walked up like, oh, the Cubs are playing the Brewers. And I, I turned up and I'm like, 
wait, they're not playing the Brewers. They were playing the Dodgers. This was two weekends ago. I'm like, and I immediately figured it out, yeah. right? I saw the graphics. I'm like, oh, right away. And it's like the fifth inning. I'm like, this is the game where Ramos Ramirez, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, an hour later when we're back in the garage, I'm like, see, told you. And that's, uh, you know, and that game seemed to have gotten a lot of play recently on Twitter, too. But it was, you know, it was genuinely fucking awesome. And probably the top memory that you'll have of Ramos Ramirez. Off the great Coco Cordero. Yes, who was a pretty well-established closer for a few years there. But, yeah, I'm referring to the game on Friday, June 29th, to, to close out the month, this this uh, incredibly entertaining month of June in 2007. And the Brewers, right, still there, I'm assuming, coming into the game, still well, they're 14 games over. Cubs have pulled themselves up to a game under. They're still trailing by six or so games. And the Brewers jump out to a 5 nothing lead right in the first inning, right? I'll let you take it from there. Uh, well, don't, because I didn't pull it up. Um, no, no. I can well, tell you a story about so you this know. day, though, while yeah. um, something's loading here. So I remember that as uh, the, we go the-, the first day uh, in the house that I lived in at the time that we had central air. Because I remember uh, I was, uh, the guys were working on the house, or working on our, our uh, air conditioner when I left for work. And I only had to work a half day. And I was driving back, and I heard this uh, thing happen on my way home. So I was very excited for two reasons. The Cubs had won, and then I wasn't going to have to sweat my balls off <laughs> in my house every night during the summer. So that was... Uh, Central air's clutch. I grew up with units in the so first I. time I had Central. Yeah. So this yeah. Is the first the whole, time I was, you know... The, I remember like this annual tradition of like going to the garage, so like these hugely heavy and like sharp-cornered metallic in implements of death um, and having to store them in the house. So, all right. Yeah. So June 29th. So, yeah, Cubs come all the way back from a 5 nothing lead to this. Yeah, so two outs in the ninth, one on. Cubs are down 5-4. to four. The pitch to Aramis. There's a drive. Deep left center. Cubs win. And I believe, and someday we'll have Len on the podcast, I believe that was the first ever Oh Baby. Oh Baby? And it was such, it became such an iconic thing that he people I said it, it to him all the time that he made it part of his, when the Cubs hit a big home run, he broke it was out the a, Oh Baby. Uh, it was a perfect home run call, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like Len. We, you know, we've met Len had drinks with him. It has nothing to do with how I feel about him personally. I've, You know, you've criticized him. I, I have, but like that, I, you know... He like he played it right. Can you imagine Chip Carey on that call? Because Chip Carey would already be anticipating the most you know insane outcome to begin with. But he, you know, Len, he hit the right notes, and I love that that became a signature call. Oh baby, because it was if that was the first time it came out, it just shows you how genuinely yeah it happened in organic the it was yeah. yeah. It no, I uh, I think I think I I gave Len a lot of shit when he left the Cubs, not because uh, he left, but because. I was really hoping he would be honest about why he was leaving. Because nobody leaves Cubs TV for White Sox Radio just because, as a kid, you grew up listening to Ernie Harlan. Len's to do too dipl- yeah, Len's too diplomatic, you know. And it's still a good gig for him. And some of those, you know, it's not the reason he did it, but some of those do make sense. I mean, I, I guess given the choice, if you're willing to take a pay cut, a slight cut, but still stay in the same city and actually watch a better team, then... 
Well, it, um, it has to be. It has to be more to do with the, with the atmosphere at Marquee. I think I can't imagine it's any other. And well, no, that's I don't the remember, real reason, right? I don't remember if yeah. Miles said it on or off the podcast. We it came up, and he basically said that every people that he knows that know Len. Well, say Len imagine? is very very happy this year. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine how, how it would have been received when they open a, a COVID-shortened season and they're launching this stupid-ass network in late July? And they're and like, even if just how weird it would have been to have received this information that they would it would be mandatory that they wear a shirt and fucking tie. Yep. Because we want to make it, like, we just, want like, it to make it feel like a national broadcast. Just and, the optics of handing that sort of like I've worked in corporate America, like I know how those things can be received and whatever you know, like where the Ricketts are coming from. You know, they're obviously not PR savvy. Just to deliver that edict, no matter how you deliver it, it's not going to be received. It's going to be received like, all right, you just, it's just not going to be received well. And it's 90 degrees and the season's starting, and there's no fans there, and they got to wear a shirt and tie. It's just, so that, and that's just one example. Um, but yeah, after the Cubs won that, it, you know, I think they split the series again. They were six and a half back when they won it, and, you know, this they still kind of slogged the rest of that season, but they were a little bit better than they were in April and May. You know, but it, as it turned out, they didn't have to be great, right? I mean, you know, they're at 500 in late June. They, they, they got to hope, you know, they got to be pretty good to run down the Brewers, but I think the Brewers eventually took care of that themselves. Yeah. That's, well, they couldn't have been too good. The Brewers, you know, 85 wins would have won it. And I mean, we'll get, we'll get later yeah. a big, a big Brewer loss and an old, a, an old cub friend dealing it to them was okay. I'm final, here for that on the final weekend was fun. Um, oh, that's right. So we talked a little bit about Soriano. Do you know how, do you know how long he played center field? The Cubs gave this a really, they gave him a long say, leash in center field. I'm going to say 11 starts. Uh, 12. <laughs> they pulled, the, they pulled the plug on Alfonso Soriano center fielder. On April sixteenth, I think the thing. <laughs> well, was actually, that PA he was... pulled he pulled the hamstring on it on That's April sixteenth, right, right. and they somehow were able to use that as a cover. For right. well, it's funny because <laughs> well, they did and they didn't have a center fielder, so they ended up playing Jack Jones in center field a lot, which was That's bad. right was bad. Yeah, it was um, a mismatch team, Jesus. But um, I mean, yeah, so they I mean, he was struggling too. He was in two forty five uh, at the time he got hurt. He comes back off the. Um, he comes back off the injured list and he gets pretty hot. And like, I will tell you right now, I will tell you right now, fuck you, Chuck. He, Soriano is absolutely incredible in September. If Mm -hmm. you want to have some Soriano topic, go to his month of September. Cause I feel, I feel like he, I feel like he single-handedly carried, he was worth that goddamn contract for that season. Just like John Lester was, you know, it, it was a huge contract. And I know we knew at the time that that contract was made, that it was signed, that it was going to, it was going to hurt at the end, but it really did do, it wasn't Soriano's fault that, you know, they fell apart in the playoff. I mean, he didn't perform either, but they wouldn't have been there in 2007. Well, let me know. Do you think this is is any good in 28 games in September? Soriano hit 320 with a 354 on base, a seven. Seven, 54 wow. slug. He hit 14 homers with 27 RBIs. And I think, I, I this I'm sure I should, probably should look up. I think he hit like seven or eight leadoff homers. 
It was always one nothing because Soriano was just busy leading off the game with a home run. Was he lead off the whole year? Was mo- that yeah, a thing? Mo- mostly in 2007, he was the leadoff guy. Wow. Um, let's see. Okay. So they moved the him most? from center to left, but they didn't move him out of leadoff. I do recall during the Sox uh, at the Wrigley Field series that year. He yeah, did he, that. And then, he batted first in 125 of yeah. the 135 okay. games that he played in. All right. He was a leadoff 542 hitter. at-bats as a, lead- as a leadoff hitter, 308, 345, 579, 33 homers, 69 RBIs, 18 stolen bases. Struck out 121 times with 28 walks. But, you know, that wasn't – knew they were, that's, you knew what you were buying with Alfonso. Correct. Yeah, that was not a surprise. I mean, you know, and we we had all kinds of problems. So he had been moved. He'd been a second baseman for forever with the Yankees. He got and traded, not a very good second baseman either. The guy got, couldn't play anywhere. Got traded to the Nationals, and Frank Robinson was overseeing his transition from second base to left field. And um, I, my, I was down in Florida visiting my parents, and we went to a. I think it had to be a it had to be a Braves. Um, game. It was a night game against the Nationals in spring training. And they announced the lineup. And leading off in left field for the Nationals was Alfonso Soriano. And the first batter comes up, and it's not Alfonso Soriano. He basically told Frank Robinson that he was either going to play second base or he wasn't going to play. Wow. And you don't get to tell Frank Robinson. Not Frank Robinson. No, sir. Uh, The next day. Alfonso Soriano was leading off and playing left field. <laughs> and he had a really good year for the Nats, I think. He, he did. 41 he, homers for them, I think. Uh, we already referenced the, the, how awful the Cubs were that year. I, he murdered whatever series they played a weekend series in Washington, I swear. I want Soriano may have homered in all three games of the series. I, that's a distinct possibility. The uh, – um, yeah, the national yeah. the, the Yankees were trying to clear a spot at second base for some guy named Robinson Cano. Right. So they didn't really want Sori and his bad defense there anymore. And yep. Um, yep, yep. That's right. Yeah, I mean, what do you do if you if you don't have enough range to play second, but you hit like that, you either got to be a first baseman, he wasn't cut out to be a first baseman, not much of a target. You got to be a left fielder. Uh, or a DH. He, he was, was fast. too young to be a DH. He was still yeah, fast. He was like so that was, that's why he the was thought athletic, was, so. Cubs need a center fielder. We'll just play him in center. Um, yeah, he's played left for a year under Oh, Robbie. actually, no, this is wrong. I got ahead of myself. He was – they didn't. Tra- they traded him to, to open up for A-Rod, but they traded him first. That's or, what I mean, was. they traded for second base to, for, for Kanoa. He got traded for A-Rod. He went to Texas for two years. That's what still it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's still right. played so, second base. A year in Texas, a year in Washington. Yeah, then he went to Washington, and they're the ones that moved him to left. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. he, for them, and so he only played one year for the Nats, 2006. Uh, He hit uh, 277, 351, 560, 9-11 OPS. Damn good hitter. 46 homers, 95 RBIs, 41 stolen bases. Yeah. Guy's a special talent. And, uh. He hit 30 homers twice for the Cubs. Just 30? He also hit 30 homers the year they traded him to the Yankees. 
And this was crazy. He had 17 when they traded him. And from the trade deadline to the end of the year, when he went back to the Yankees, in 58 games, he had 17 more homers with 50 RBIs. <laughs> good for Fonzie. Wow. That was a pretty good pickup for the He was yeah. happy to be back in New York, I think. But he didn't struggle. He was, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty impressive uh, run of production. And yeah, so he got traded. Um, he got traded for A-Rod. In 2004, and then at the after before the 2004 season, after the 2005 season, he got traded to the Nationals for Armando Galarraga, future Cub assistant hitting coach Termel Sledge, and Brad Wilkerson. Is Armando Galarraga that got screwed out of a no hitter yes. from umpire Jim Joyce? Yeah, that's him. Huh. But yeah, sorry was uh, he was a terrible outfielder. Um, the only way they could. The only way he could comfortably catch a fly ball was to jump for yeah, a routine. Yeah, he was kind of Schwarber-esque. He well, had a good he, arm he, that would Teams would out. throw on him, and he had this weird sidearm throw, yeah. and he would literally bend the ball like around. Yeah, he he could he could whatever, however it was through his highlight motion or what he, he he had a good arm. But you're right, he teams uh, he ran because they could, and he occasionally made them pay for it. Yes, yes, yeah. He was he was still better than Adam Dunn. Yes, as a left fielder. Let's, let's see. How many assists did uh, Fonzie have? I bet, I'm going to guess he had. I, I feel like he was actually, uh, he mitigated a little bit of the base running. Didn't quite completely mitigate his range shortcomings or his ability to maybe track a fly ball. But. Um, he only had five errors in 2007. Okay. Is this right? Yeah, so 2007 he had 19 assists. Wow. Wow! All of them in left. That's got to be amongst that was, the league leaders. That was the most. That was the most that he ever had. He had uh, team stopped Could've, running on him. I'm sure he had ten and oh eight. That's right. That's how it works. Um, may have may have had the most in the league. But yeah. That's a high number. It's seven and oh nine. That's three a month. That's like one a week. But I mean, oh. it's nothing like in 2005 with the Rangers. He had uh, 448. 448. What? Oh, he's playing assists. Oh, he's playing second. All right, all right. They had yeah, 448 playing left field. That might be a record. Yes, 448 at second. Not bad. No Sandberg, but whatever. Uh, let's see. I wonder how many, uh, I thought I'd know this off the top of my head. I wonder how many All-Stars the 2007 well, Cubs had. You know, they were, uh, they had some, t- they had Soriano, Lee, and Ramirez, top, they're kind of top heavy there. My guess is, uh, you know, Lee was coming off the year in which he was injured, which was coming off the year in which he had a historic season. Ramirez was probably awesome because he's one of the most consistent offensive players that I can recall. Then they had holes like those Cajun midgets. Um, Cubs had two. Just two. Who do you think they were? Both reserves. What? You mean like relief pitchers? Do they count as reserves? No, nobody, they didn't, they, nobody got voted in for the Cubs. Oh, nobody got voted in. Two uh, position players. Uh, two position players, I'm going to say. Um, uh, one of them, it I'm was gonna, his sixth All-Star game. The other one, it was his second. I'm going to say uh, Aramis and Soriano. Derek Lee and Soriano. Okay. Derek Lee made it back to the All-Star after... Having Stevie, you know, Steve, we haven't talked about 2006, but that's also Stevie Air, the much uh, uh, 
detested Scott Ayer. He's the one that threw the ball that got Derek Lee injured. I only remember that because Bruce Miles brought it up when you hit right because he had flashbacks when uh, when Jake threw the ball into the line and almost to uh, the wisdom. Yeah, you cannot and, kill P. Wiz. He's our future. He's all we're going to yeah. have left after the trade deadline, Jake. Right, you can't hurt him. But yeah, thanks. Thanks to Bruce for reminding me. Just another reason to hate Steve Ayer that he did that. But D. Lee bounced back, and uh, for a team that went to the playoffs. Made the all-star team. So Stevie Air. Yeah, Derek Lee. Yeah. Um, you know, for a guy who had uh he had one great season, a lot of good ones. Um he's gotta be one of the most underrated Cubs, right? Like I think a, him and Ramirez who just think, doesn't get enough due. I think him and Ramirez both. I because I actually will make the argument Ramirez was a more productive all around cub between two thousand three and only because he was there before Lee and still there after Lee. He was actually on the 2003 playoff team. Lee wasn't. Ram- yeah, it always felt like Ramos was the guy you wanted up in the big spot. He was clutch, man. He knew to put the ball in play. Absolutely. Without trying to swing out of his shoes. And I, I wonder will... how much. See, like I feel like um, I feel like we properly rate Aramis. But I think it's probably just us. Like, this infl- like the people listen to the podcast and read the stuff. And a part of it is a, a tremendous pushback against all the Bob Brownlee bullshit. Correct. You know, while he was yep. doing it, even we're like, "Fuck that! This this is not the guy you should be picking on." You right. Know, there was even the year that he he pulled his quad and he came back early, and the Cubs basically told yeah. him, "The one thing you can't do is sprint because you're going to pull it again, and we need you to play." And every yep. time he would jog to first, Brownlee would make would some smart ass remark yeah. about it, and he fucking knew why yep. Aramis wasn't running, which is bullshit. Yep. And you. I think Soriano I, might have been another guy that would be the recipient of barbs from Bob, too. We jo- he got to join. Bob was still broadcasting in 07, right? Yeah, he was there all the way up until um, they, JD. Yeah. He was there for a while on TV. Until maybe 11, 10 or yeah, 11. This, he got to struggle through some of the. He did. I mean, so this would have been uh, his and Len's um, third season. It would have been Pat Hughes' 12th. Pat was a uh, rather esteemed uh, broadcaster by 2007. Had done broadcasts. A lot of bad baseball, but an exciting year for Pat. I wonder what his uh, call sounded like on the Ramirez homer. I wonder if we're going to ever find that. Well, he didn't have to but... update the Brewer score because we knew it because they were playing the Brewers. <laughs> Way to trigger me, Andy. Way to trigger me. <laughs> so we, who... we got to get to the playoffs eventually, I think, yeah. right? But go ahead. Who what? So it was 07. It was still Santa, right? Santa went out until he died. Yeah, 2010 was his last season. Right. So he didn't, it's not like he, he never retired. He just died. He effectively died in the booth. Yep. Yeah. Well, still, still, still the round of If he was in the, the booth, I mean, that could have been a contributing factor because it was December. He should yes, not, an old, an old diabetic I, should not have been, I, an old legless diabetic should not have been sitting in the Wrigley Field uh, booth in December. No. Right. It would have been assumed he would also have had dementia. Yeah, I did not. I meant metaphorically, of course. Oh, um, good. I was yeah, worried. it was, it was I the mean, original. I don't know how the Cubs were run back then. I mean, that might have been. Right. No, that's All right, Ron, you sit I, here. We'll be back in April. All right, good. That's right. Don't, yeah, but don't original, stand up under the heater. You'll set your tube on fire again. Nope. Right. Right. But the oh, another one of Pat's year. favorite favorite stories. But yeah, the original Pat and Ron show going going on its twelfth year, and Lennon Lennon Bob on TV, and you know, they had a team that had inter- you know interesting games in September. They were alive, and again at this point we, we've talked about it, but you know, but between nineteen eighty and now, this is really 
this is going to be only the fifth playoff team in those, um, you know, 20, 25 years, I guess. So the Cubs roared into first place on on with a walk-off win over the Phillies on August 1st. Uh, Don't remember it. Ryan Dempster got the win, so I wonder if he blew it in the top of the ninth, or maybe he just came in in a tight game. Let's give him a little bit of credit. But they would then uh, fall out of first, too. I'm assuming they were bad. He did. With the he, tried, he tried to give it up in the ninth, but he didn't. Oh, yeah, figures. Uh, and so which in the bottom ban- of the ninth. Which banjo hitters did he walk, I wonder? Bottom of the ninth? Well, it's in the top of the ninth. He gave up a single to Jimmy Rollins. Um, he walked Aaron Rowand. Both Rollins and Rowan stole, so they were on second and third. Then he walked Pat Burrell. But then he got Carlos Ruiz to ground out, so it was still 4-4. to four. And Brett Myers, who Ooh. once uh, punched his wife in the face uh, in Correct. Boston right in front of people, uh, and still pitched after that for a little while because you know, baseball's got an, some issues. Sure. Um, he came in to pitch, and Matt Merton singled, doubled on an 0-2 pitch. Merton! That's with, my Lou Pinello. With Ronnie Cedeno up, Brett Myers oh. was, was so worried <gasps> oh. about Ronnie. That he threw a wild pitch. Merton went to third. Then he was rattled, and he walked Ronnie on four pitches. Imagine that. Did Ronnie still stand in the batter's box after the fourth ball, not knowing what was Ronnie going Ronnie just on? started wandering to second and was tagged out. No. So Ronnie walked. So first and third, nobody out. Jock Jones is up. What do you do if you're uh, Charlie Manuel? You intentionally walk Jock Jones. Uh, there you go. Because... Um, Okay, I'm not going to say who the next guy is because it will it'll ruin our catcher thing. We will talk about this quickly. Uh, some guy uh, uh, struck out. Pitcher spot came up. Cliff Floyd came up with a chance to win the game. And on the second pitch, Brett Myers threw a wild pitch. Oh, Matt Burton scored. Okay. And their Cubs were in first place on August 1st. But they would fall out. And then, and I'm sorry, before we go back, I, I have to enter this for the record because Ron Cedeno came up, and this did happen uh, in 2007. And I have to jump back to, fittingly enough, April 20th, 420, for Ronnie Cedeno. Um, and I, I may have talked about this in another podcast, but I have to bring it up because this is the season. Ron Cedeno, for anyone who doesn't know, sort of a, just another nondescript uh, Latin shortstop that uh, was, you know, getting a little bit more playing time, showed a little bit of flash defensively, not sure what you had on offense, not sure what you had between the ears, but that would become obvious um, soon after the events of Friday, April 20th, would conspire in which the Cubs uh, battling the Cardinals. The Cardinals were defending world champions about as ill-gotten of a championship as you'll ever see because they had won, I believe, 83 games. Um, the Cubs had, had been holding on in this game one nothing until the seventh. Cardinals get two in the top of the seventh uh, off of the starting pitcher Ted Lilly in his uh, first season in the Cubs. Cubs are down by a run. And I remember being at the Shamrock Inn uh, across the street from the Merchandise Mart in downtown Chicago where I worked. Technically, River North Shamrock was a hole in the wall. Still is, still there, I assume, uh, in this very sort of trendy fashion district of Chicago. Perfect place to be with that setting. And I remember sitting uh, at the bar. Alderman Danny Solis was actually at the bar watching this. And uh, in the game, Tinisering Housing comes in to save it. Um, there are, you know, it's a one-run lead, and Ramos leads off by flying out to right field. Mark DeRosa, our hero, who started the rally against the Rockies a couple months later in June. He singles the center. Ball goes through. Lou taps Ronnie Cedeno to run 
for Mark DeRosa. There's one out in the ninth inning. That's the tying run on base, folks. Our friend Jack Jones comes up, works the count full to Isringhausen. No, I apologize. No, yeah, it was full. Full count. Um, there's two outs. or No, there's only one out. So this is a strategic situation. You, you, don't, you don't always hit and run with a uh, three and two count. You do it with two outs, obviously. But with one out, Pinella sends Cedeno. And Jack Jones takes a pitch that's very close. Um, turns out not to be a called strike. And because there's uncertainty, as often is the case, the catcher, in this case, the much despised, I assume, Yadier Molina, it was. a much, much younger Yadier Molina, fires the ball down a second. Well, of course, in the situation, the umpire has called a ball, meaning that the play, uh, the attempted put out from Molina to second base is rendered moot because that awarded second base automatically by virtue of the walk. What happens, though, Cedeno doesn't quite catch the fact that Jones had drawn a walk. He slides. He's safe. Regardless, doesn't matter if he was out. And then Ron slides past the base, in which case uh, he's down. He didn't have to slide at all. If he had he known no, it, he, was walk, it was a walk, he, he probably have, should have. He could have literally he should have. He should have known it was a walk because you're running in that situation on three and two. You have to have an idea. If the ball's being thrown down, you know, just, you know, stay, just stay on the base. Anyway. He was awarded second base, and basically Ron Cedeno, just like A.J. Pruszynski, is the only guy I know that stole first base. Ronnie Cedeno was the only guy I know that was uh, called out after successfully stealing second base. Maybe not so um, so much like that. But uh, my favorite thing about that was, and, and it, it kind of killed the rally because you would have had first and second, but instead Ronnie, you know, uh, was out, and then the game ended after the next batter, and then he was asked after the game. He didn't quite understand exactly what had happened, and he said something along the lines of, well, I guess they changed the rules. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think you know. I don't think you know how to play baseball, Ron Cedeno. Anyway, had to enter that for the record. Sorry for all the detail, but it was a, a kind of an iconic moment that many Cub fans will recall, even though it was very early in the season, but uh, back to the stretch run. The well, okay, so I, the, the guy who uh, the guy who struck out before the wild pitch uh, was uh, Jason Kendall, who the Cubs had acquired. Oh, and so enthralled right. with Rob Bowen, we never finished our pro- right. we never finished our progression. That after ten, after ten games of Rob Bowen, they traded him. Yes, and Jerry Blevins, who went on to uh, be a pretty reliable left-handed reliever for the Mets, they traded him to yep. the A's for Jason Kendall because. It was on uh, July sixteenth, because that's and even what Lou though, wanted. but even and even though we all knew Kendall, who was a former pirate, a little bit of a cub killer, he was kind of broken down. He had terrible foot issues. I think we were all willing to take a chance on him because of what we had seen up until that point was absolutely atrocious. And he was at the end. I don't think Kendall ever played after that season. If oh, he yeah, did. He I'm, played three more years. Jesus, and Christ. he played. He wasn't a backup. He played. He started for okay. two years with the Brewers, caught 151 games in 08 and 134 in 09, and then he caught 118 wow. his last year for the Royals. So wow, was, good for him. He was a full. Yeah, I think he must, I don't know if he was recovering he was from bad. a more. He had he had issues. Yeah, he was, and he didn't do much. But at least it felt like well, he's a, should be a decent catcher. I mean, yeah. it was believe it or not, he was he was an upgrade. He Jason was Kendall. he was a three time All Star. He was very good. With the Pirates from 1996 till 2004, 
Pirates yeah, got rid of him at good. just the right time. He went to the yes, um, did. went to the A's, and the wheels were starting to fall off. Um, played three years for the A's, and then the Cubs picked him up, and he hit two seventy for them with a three sixty two on base. He didn't slug it off. Right. Fifty six. Yeah, he wasn't that bad. Um, he walked more than he struck out. Nineteen walks to fifteen strikeouts, fifty seven games. So, and he was a good defensive catcher, and so Lou was uh, perfectly content. Yeah, yeah. No, he was fine, right? They kind of got bailed out in that Gio Soto was a rookie of the year the next year. Yes. But they certainly upgraded the following season. But that was that was a struggle all year, that catcher, more more so than most. I mean, you can live with a Scott Service in 98. You know what you have. But, I mean, Bolt, Barrett and Bowen and Hill are just so bad that I just remember being, okay, well, at least I know who Jason Kendall is, even if he's old and chippy and so, broken down. So the Cubs went back into first for the for the final time with a three to two win over the Reds on the nineteenth of September. Mm-hmm. Then they went to Pittsburgh and they swept the Pirates to go up three and a half games over Milwaukee. And you thought, all right, here we go. Where they're going to Florida to play the lowly Marlins, and they and got swept. One of the starters. And I mentioned this. We mentioned crappy Cubs starters, not just great Cubs starters like Fergie and Jake Arrieta that come back, mm-hmm. but guys who are crappy the first, not crappy, but nondescript the first time around. Steve Traxel managed to come back in time. Who you know, we talked about Traxel in '98, nine years early. His high point won the won the wild the coin flip game, game one sixty three in '98, and then he left after '99, wanders the desert, and a very old. And washed up Steve Traxel. I mean, Jesus, the fact that he's starting a game, a must win game in September, really kind of reeks of 1998 with other guy like Don Wanger. Like, really? That That's what we had? Had to have somebody. The Marlins were terrible, right? The Cubs got swept in the last week of the season. That's, yeah, I mean, I remember it. I don't remember. I must have been full of rage. I remember too, but... my friend. Uh... Uh, my my friends Abby and Charlie had their first baby, and my wife and I went to visit them in the hospital. And one of those Marlin games was on in their room because they were Cub fans too. And uh, I literally cut the visit with the baby short because I was so. Pissed. <laughs> so all right, we're gonna we're gonna see your baby some other time. This sucks. Jock was I I don't know, floundering around on the field or whatever, and I said, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. That's enough of this shit. I couldn't recall any specifics about any of those games other than I remember watching them just go, I can't well, those believe they're going to blow this. And there was still the whole thing with just that stadium. Yeah, it sucked, and then the Cubs had all the bad history there, and I just yeah, I looked four, up, like, it was, they're going to blow it, it was, because of this. I'm out of here. Yep. Yeah, it was fresh. It was fresh because they lost the Marlins four years earlier. This stupid ass franchise that had only made the playoffs twice and yet had never lost the playoff series, and they sucked this year. They're sixty-seven and eighty-nine going into, the, or sixty-six and ninety. They already lost ninety games going in, and of course they sweep the fucking Cubs. Just so they they you know, go but, into but, the, they go into the final weekend of the season, and they're in Cincinnati, and the Brewers are at home against the Padres. And all the Cubs need is one Cub win or one Brewer loss, and they have won the division. And starting that first game for uh, San Diego was Greg Maddox. Wow. And while the Cubs were in a rain delay in Cincinnati, Greg Maddox was beating the Brewers, and he effectively pitched the Cubs to the division championship. The Cubs won that night, so it wouldn't have mattered. They, they would have won it on their own merit. 
Um, Wait, which night was this? Uh, September 28th, 2007. Isn't that right? No. Well, the, Cubs had a three, the Cubs had a three-game... No, no. In 2007, they... Uh, they and, you know, and I have to confess to having something wrong. I said they backed into the playoffs by losing. They... W- they they beat the Reds. They clinched it that Friday night, September twenty eighth, against Cincinnati. Not but not San Diego, right? No. The Padres were in Milwaukee playing the Brewers. That's what it was. That's right. That's what I just said the Brewer a um either a Brewer loss or a Cub win, and the Cubs clinched. Maddox beat the Padres while the Cubs were in a rain delay in Cincinnati, so that this game ended first. That's what it was. Okay. You know what? I apologize. I thought and they somebody, lost. The Cubs won that night, yeah. as it turns out. I thought they lost and then backed in. Now, they won, but they but they clinched before, you know, while they were, weren't even playing. Right. So it was made it feel like a, they clinched while they weren't doing anything, which made it feel like um, maybe that they backed in. Trying to That's somebody, uh, had, somebody had a big hit. I thought it was – maybe it was a game before that. There was a former Cub also – Dealt the in adi- uh, Brewers a in tough addition loss. To, in addition to Greggy? Yeah. I don't remember who that was now. But anyway, so the Cubs were going to the playoffs, and um, it was, you know, 85-win team. Shouldn't have been a lot of hope, but they were playing the Diamondbacks. Yep. And we thought, all right, well, hell, yeah, we beat the Diamondbacks. Can't be that hard. Yeah, I feel like there are some more. The more I think about it, I hadn't thought about it before tonight. There are some similarities, even though this was the sort of beginning of a short ascension. Like they actually built on this the next year and were better. But it does independently of that kind of strike me of like the 1998 team where they struggle to the finish line and they don't have enough starting pitching because going into the Arizona series, in spite of, you know, Lily was one of their pitchers, Hill was one of their pitchers, but the strategy was to get. Carlos Zambrano, right, to pitch twice in the first four games going into the series. They did not want to have to go to a fourth, like from the beginning, that was the plan, right? So Pinella in game one tried to manage two games at once in effect. Wasn't that kind of like the, uh, the criticism? Well, the, yeah, the, there was an off day between game two and three. So in theory, Carlos could have pitched game four on three days rest. And like whatever they got out of Jason Marquis, and I don't know who else they would have had going into the season, but they could only try. I feel like they could only trust three starters, and that was uh, that was Zambrano, um, Lily, and Rich Hill. Yeah, and that's all they were. So that's all they wanted to use. Plus, there was the fear that um, you know Brandon Webb was really good. He was, and there was the that you, you in theory could get win that series and only face him once if you did it that way. If the Diamondbacks the didn't bring him back, although given the fact he was a sinker baller, I think the Diamondbacks would have just gladly brought him back on short rest too. Yeah, figuring that actually it'll make him better. There was I don't know if that's all bullshit or not. That was a Steve Stone thing we heard forever, which was that um, sinker ballers uh, pitch better with a little bit of. Uh, can, actually, sinker ballers can have too much rest sometime, and the ball doesn't sink. Okay, I don't know if it's an old wives' tale or whatnot, but I well, we found out that most of Steve's shit was. Is bullshit. Well, right. Except the for the obvious eyes. stuff that everybody knows. The other stuff. But, was... Brand, but but one thing was for sure, Brandon Webb was a really good pitcher for a short period of time. I think he actually uh, tragically had a, the big injury right before he may have gotten truly paid because he kind of disappeared. But 
in any event, he was kind of at his peak. So the, and the uh, problem uh, with Lou's plan was that uh, the Cubs didn't score. Right. The idea was to get a lead and get it to Marmel and Howery, and they did give it to Marmel and Howery, but they gave it, they got it to Marmel in the seventh, tied at one. Yep. So he pulled Carlos. I don't know if this will show how many pitches Carlos had thrown. Um. But yeah, if it was a classic After game, only, so Carlos pitched six innings, four hits, one run, eight strikeouts. He given up a homer to who? I'm sure it had to be Chris Young. Didn't Chris Young hit a homer every? Uh, he hit. Uh, he well, he hit, yeah, he hit. Well, no, he hit the one no, off. The homer was off. Stephen Drew hit the home run. Okay, yeah, because Mark Reynolds was oh, wait, about to right? hit one off of Mar. Of yeah, Stephen Drew. Yeah. No, yeah, Drew hit the one off of uh, Zambrano. Yeah, and then they bring Marmol in, who had been unhittable, especially late in the season. And Correct. He, he gives up uh, a two-run home run, hit no right? homer without getting before he got anybody out. Yeah, and that's game one. No, nope, that's not right. He gave up the homer to go down two to one. Oh, um, and then Connor Jackson drove in a, another Jesus. run later in the inning on a sack fly. And okay. The Cubs lost three to one. Right, right. So now game two, something good happens early with our rookie of the year catcher. If I if I remember correctly, he takes. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who the Arizona starter was, but Gio Soto, a rookie. Actually, he was the rookie of the year the next year. He was kind of a Todd Worrell, 1985-86. Like Greg Jeffries. Yes. Well, Greg Jeffries actually got rookie of the year votes in back-to-back seasons. But uh, Todd Worrell, who was the closer of the 85 Cardinals in the World Series and then won the rookie of the year the next year. Gio Soto, who would win the the rookie of the year in 2008, was our last catcher to bring everything full circle, which is what we do. We, uh, I think we once called this show uh, unofficially inadvertently full circle. Yep. Um, is that we went from uh, Michael Barrett to Rob Bowen to Coy Dolan Hill to Jason Kendall to our savior, uh, at least we thought for a brief period of time, Gio Soto, who had a big two. Big two-run homer. That was very exciting. They have a young guy do that and take the lead. And Ted Lilly's pitching well, and we're going in the lake. We're gonna we're gonna steal the game in Arizona, folks. Yeah. So Lilly, so Soto hits a um, Merton singles. Soto hits a home run off of Merton. future Cub Doug Davis. <laughs> Go up two nothing. He was the game two starter. Yeah, that's why he was. That's why everybody thought the Cubs could beat the Diamondbacks, right. and then the he Rockies was, ended up going to the fucking World Series that year, and they sucked too. Davis had already been driving the Cubs nuts for a while. He was on the Brewers in 03 and shut them out on August 31st, uh, pitching against uh, Juan Cruz. I think it was one nothing. That guy was a thorn well, in our side. He was pitching with Juan Cruz on the uh, 2007 Oh, he was on the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so the Cubs are up 2 nothing, and Ted Lilly, in his second inning of work, gives up a single to Chris Snyder. He walks Justin Upton. He strikes out Augie Ojeda. It might have been the only time the Cubs got Augie out. Yeah. Doug Davis, That's... sack bunt. So second and third and two outs. All he's got to do is get Chris Young out and Cubs keep the 2 nothing lead. And not only does Ted give up a home run, but he does one of the most iconic things in Cub history. Yep. He doesn't even turn to see the ball leave. He simply sl- takes his glove off and slams it down on the mound. Yep. You know what? I don't remember 
that game was actually turned out to be eight to four. I thought maybe it was late. I would have guessed it was later in the game. It was early. So Lily just got rocked that day. And that's fine. I like that. One thing I do remember though, and it triggered me and it just absolutely, it's one of those things that just will drive you insane as a Cubs fan is to see this little fucking bat boy, this human mascot, this Augie Ojeda, who was just like this five foot three inch novelty for the Cubs five, six, seven years earlier. I can't even remember actually thrust into the starting lineup. And he had one of them was off my good friend, Stevie air. in one of these games might've been this one, but he had two or three like big hits. And it's just one of those things that just torments your soul. You're a Cubs fan in 2007. And you know, they haven't won a world series in almost a hundred years. And this afterthought of a midget shortstop that is suddenly playing, getting at bats is beating you. It's just, it was almost intolerable. Augie batted nine times in the three games, uh, at four hits, Jesus, and a walk. He hit 444, 545 on base, 556 slug, 1.101 OPS. <laughs> uh, of yeah, so course Cubs, he did. So the Cubs lost game two, but they're coming back to Wrigley, and that's all we need because we're, we're, you know, and I'm just good at right. home. And Wrigley's got a home playoff game. Everybody's excited. Rich yep. Hill is on the mound. Yep. And what pitch was it? Was it the very first Second pitch? pitch of the game. Second pitch, I think. First pitch. Might have been the first. First, the first pitch of the Was game. It? Okay. Chris Young, home run. Yep. Cubs lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I will say the Cubs scratched the way, and I have to mention this before. I have to enter this for the record because some Honesty people might wonder. Honesty compels me to say. Honesty compels me because some people might say, Huey, why are you always so hard on Mark DeRosa? The guy had two great years with the Cubs. He's a very, you know, polished uh, broadcaster, which I think he is. He's actually cut above a lot of these clowns that we rip on. He was supposed uh, to do and, stuff for Marquis and he never has. I don't, yeah, I don't blame him. You know, and he's a good looking guy. He seems like a nice guy. He has that. But ask Dave but, Kaplan, who the hottest good, who has the hottest okay. wife of any cub ever. And it's, Oh, that's right. It's okay. Mark DeRosa's wife. But there's like this Artemi uh, Panarin vibe where he absolutely did have two excellent seasons with the Cubs, but he had, he had events happen in both playoffs that just drove me crazy. And it, it, part of it is tied into somehow how like Cub fans would drive me crazy back in the day. But that game, yeah, Chris Young hits the homer. Arizona gets another run. They draw up 3 nothing. Uh, at one point, the Cubs finally scratch in a run. But the, I was at a wedding this night, but I managed to find myself in front of the TV. Uh, go figure. Uh, when in the uh, bottom of the fifth, okay, it's still a close game. And I know, all right, the series is over. Cubs lost two already. They're not going to win three in a row. Although... You do have Carlos Zambrano, you know, ready to go in the next uh, in the next game if they do, and maybe Willie, uh, Willie, maybe Lily can get some redemption in uh, clinching Game Five. So, game, we'll see what happens. Right, we're down three to one, bottom of the fifth. Terrio leads off with a walk. Levon Hernandez, the, at this point, been around for a long ass time. He's he was, pitching. And he was old when he started. He was. Uh, Terrio steals second while Dealey's batting. Dealey grounds out short to first. Not a very good piece of hitting, Dealey. It's okay. I forgive you. Uh, hometown hero Cliff Floyd walks. Okay. Two base runners, two walks. Two batters, two walks, two base runners. Both on base for a walk. Aramis Ramirez, because he's got a great eye, also walks. Now the bases are loaded. Levon Hernandez has walked the bases full, folks. Yeah, They're well, down at three Dust, to one. Dusty would tell you that's bad because we're clogging the bases. They were. Dusty would have loved Mark DeRosa because Mark DeRosa 
gets a 3-1 count. Now Wrigley's going crazy. You know they're going crazy, right? It's a playoff game. They've shown no life until the fifth inning. It's 3-1. Mark DeRosa's got a 3-1 count. Okay, I know hitting's hard. I'm just a fat slob sitting in my basement talking shit, some painful memories from 14 years ago. Okay, Mark Rose is a trained hitter. LeVon Hernandez has been nibbling all inning. He throws a ball that never comes close to the strike zone. It is at DeRosa's ankles the entire time. But And this ties into my frustration with some of these particular guys. All the Wrigley Field fans are chanting, and here's a chance for Dero to be the hero. And does he have a chance to be selflessly just wait, 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 maybe extend the inning? No, he's got to go for it. Swings at a ball that he had no chance of doing anything with. Hits it directly to the shortstop for a 6-4-3 double play. Game ends shortly thereafter. Season's over, and well, Marmol gave up another homer. He gave one up to Eric. He Burns. did. It, it didn't matter. You know the worst point. part of that DeRosa double play is. Do you know who we could have passed the baton to? Who would have been up in a one-run game with the bases loaded? There's no way this guy fails. Coy Dolan Hill, Jock Jones. Oh, of course. Was he on the bench? My God, no wonder they lost. We started. Oh wait. Oh wait. Did he was on deck? So, oh right, he was on deck. Right. Let yeah. Right. He was the. The, the guy that would have been destined to be the hero, right? Don't you think DeRosa looked over and saw Jack on deck and went, oh, fuck, I guess I got to swing at anything. I don't think I'm we've... Really pot- Who scored the only run in the game for the Cubs? Uh, I'm not looking at it. Mark I'm going to guess. Was it? Yeah, DeRosa. He's player, yeah. Of the game. He's player of the game for the Cubs, and you're all over him. Poor guy. Uh, well, you know, fine. All he had to do was just keep his bat on his shoulder and maybe things turn out differently. So but the Cubs get, the Cubs get swept. The next year... They would go to the playoffs, get swept again. Well, that's that was yeah, and that's what broke me as a fan. I've talked. That's why that ran, we that were, ran their playoff losing streak yeah. to nine games, nine they playoff lo- games in a row. They, of course, they lost the last three in a row in two thousand three. This was their return. And they would to the not break that losing streak until uh, Schwarber hit one into the Allegheny River. Jake Arrieta's yep. wild card yep. Yep. shutout yep. Yep. against the Pirates. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, th- the following season broke me. That's why, like, when the wheel spins on, and we already done 2009, and I really struggled through it. Irish Yeti accused me of mailing it in. Of course, I like I mail it in every week. I don't do any research, but like 2009, 2010, 2011 are like I have to like actually like like do homework on them to remember that, and that's partly because after this season that we've covered 2007, and then the subsequent season when they actually really, they didn't have a team that went through a slog. They went through uh, this team the next year, actually had their shit together from the beginning of the year, but then the result, they got swept out and that's what broke me for a while until Theo came along. It was bad, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, 2007, it was, you know, you'll take it over. It was a fun summer. It was a fun June really as we, as we sort of rediscovered here. Uh, but there really wasn't a lot of memories, uh, good memories, in the outside of Gio Soto's homer, I suppose, uh, in game two. Yeah, it's not a very uh, memorable playoff. It's, it's literally hard to remember what happened because when they go out that bad, you just yep. kind of move on and don't. I mean, think about it. We co- we've actually done back to back playoff teams. We did 1998 last week. That was a better series, uh, even though they were way overmatched in 98 going against the Braves team. Because at least one of the games went down to the end. None of these really did, except for game one. I, guess. I mean, yeah, game one was was kind of where it was won and lost. And 
you know, it was an 85 win team that uh, would improve a little bit on paper, but otherwise, uh, you so, know. So we can't, we can't forget. Now we talked about all the catchers except for one. And um, he did not have a good year in 2007. It was his, it was his third year with the Cubs, but he, uh, I think this was the year he hurt his neck, if I remember right. We're missing a catcher. Yes, we've named like we've named like. No, 12. but you haven't named the best one. We've already named Dolan Hill. No, this is better. I, I'm not I'm pretty sure I'm this is the year gonna... that this is the year Hank missed most of the season because he had a bad neck. Was Hank rostered in yes, 2007? Yes, he played 22 games in 2007. He came back in oh. 2008 on the good team, and Hank had by far his best season in the big leagues. He had 292 with a 325 on base, a 392 slug, three homers, and 12 RBIs. Because there was a point in, in Hank's career before he got to the Cubs, I think during his first year with the Cubs, where he had the lowest batting average of any right. major leaguer who had however many games he had played. And yes. then he began to surge. Actually, after 2008 with the Cubs, he was uh, worse. But he caught until he was 41 <laughs> with the Mariners. His last few years, he hit 188, 142, 184, 125. But yeah, he, I finished, he, went on that he finished his career with a robust 223 batting average, 72 home runs, 298 RBIs. That's actually not bad, you know. Hank played 16 years in the big leagues. He was a backup catcher. Like yeah. if you can do that, it's like being a punter. Like if you can find a way. Well, he was. To, he was. He a, never had more than three hundred and fifty-three at bats. Was his career high plate appearances? Sorry, three three fifty-seven as a twenty-nine-year-old. Um, always a backup catcher and worked for night from ninety-seven to twenty-thirteen. Christ, pitchers love to pitch to him, and he was a and he was an excellent thrower. So that'll keep you in the big leagues for a long time. If you call a good game and pitchers like to throw to you, and you know you don't really have to hit if you're just the backup catcher. Uh, nope. and of course, he won. Uh, he won. I don't know how many World Series was he on. Well, I don't think uh, he was on the Braves team that won the World Series. So, but no, he but two. he won at least. I think he won at least three Cactus League MVPs. At least, um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Postseason, if he ever. Uh... Well, no. Yeah, well, he wouldn't. He never. He, he played... never won. A, he never won a round in the playoffs. See, that's a shame. He was on the O or yeah. Braves uh, I wonder what the series were. I I don't know that they won a game. He did have two hits in the two thousand four ALDS for Minnesota yep. against the Yankees. Eight forty seven OPS, you know. Somebody's gotta bring it. Oh, you're gonna love Yankees. this though. His similarity scores. The players he's most talk about bringing it full circle. Players in his career he was most similar to. Number one, Buck Martinez, number two, George Mitterwald. Excellent. Also on Parking. the list, Chad Cruder. We didn't talk about Chad getting his hat stolen. So there Correct. you go. Yep. Dave Dave Valley. We did talk about him, right? And how they set the uh, the there was a bar in Seattle that set the price of draft beer on whatever Dave's batting average was, and it was never Excellent. more than like a buck fifty. Ron Karkavice. Ooh, the Car- uh, Kent Harrelson's uh, replacement for Carlton Fisk. Ed Herman. Dave Duncan. In his medicine cabinet, probably Andy Etcheberin. One of the ugliest players. Jason uh, LaRue, whose league. career ended when, who was it? Was it Johnny Cueto kicked his head in, in a fight? Is that what it was? When was he was like the Cardinals? A, a Zambrano Barrett style? No, he, they weren't on the same team anymore. Oh. LaRue was catching for the Cardinals. I forget who it was. Wow. But a okay. pitcher in the fight kicked him in the head a few times, and that was pretty much in his career. And uh, the last one, former Cub, Martin Maldonado. 
<laughs> Former Cub with no hits in his career, just like another recently released Cub catcher. Yep. Jose Lobatone and Martin Maldonado. Maldonado yes. was a uh, all-star finalist this year. I know. He's having a good year. Um, I wonder how they would have fit in with this veritable stable of catchers that we've spent the last uh, 90 minutes or so discovering. So let's see. A quick rundown of the roster. Do you remember that Craig Monroe played on the Cubs that year? Yeah, former Tiger in the 06 World he Series. Was a, I do remember, he, he might have been, been the, might have been the, the deadline pickup. He, he was. Oh, he's frozen. So he was frozen. So I'm just going to run down the last. See if he jumps back on here. Um, Craig Monroe played on the Cubs. Jake Fox is, of course, as we know, Jake Fox didn't really play in the big leagues because, as Chip Carey taught us last week, uh, the guy named Hendricks who pitches for the Reds is the first and only player in big league history whose uh, name ends with an X. Uh, Sam Fold played on the uh, 2007 Cubs. Corey Patterson's little brother, Eric, also played on the team. And Scott Moore. Uh, they called him the Stuntman uh, because of his spring training exploits. In fact, he could play everywhere, but he was terrible. Uh, Pitching-wise, uh, it's a veritable who's who of bums after you get past uh, uh, Howry. Mike Wirtz had a good year, one of uh, Bruce Miles' favorite players, inexplicably. Uh, Carlos Marmel, they used Will Oman a lot more than anybody should. 56 games in the area, almost five. That piece of shit. Um, Scott Eric Harry Wood, like we said, pitched 22 games. They picked up Steve Traxel in a trade for Rocky Cherry late in the year, and he made uh, four disastrous starts. He did win one, kind of Sean Estes style. Um, Neil Cotts pitched in 27 games for them. Sean Gallagher. Wade Miller tried to come back from Tommy John surgery, and that didn't go so good. Uh, Kevin Hart pitched in uh, eight games before he was a... Uh, a very tiny comedian. Uh, Billy Petrick pitched in eight games. Cl- Clay Rapato. Billy Petrick was a Chicago area guy whose dad supposedly dropped him off at the corner of Clark and Addison when he made it was his feel good story. What, and the Cubs let him pitch? Yeah. And the day he was pitching, he oh. went home to like Morris, Illinois, I think it was, or somewhere kind of south of 80. And the uh, dad drove him to Wrigley and dropped him off. Dropped him off at work at Clark and Addison. And then finally, everybody's favorite Cub pitcher of all time, Carmen Pignatello. Another local guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had a lot of local guys. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I cut out for Scott Moore. Did talked about him? Okay, uh, stuntman. Yeah, and then it's not the first time he's been mentioned, sadly. But I, I did have high hopes for Scott Moore as maybe Aramis's uh, replacement at some point. And, uh, yeah. I mentioned uh, Wade Miller trying to come back from Tommy John surgery, and that didn't really work. Another one. Cubs have tried that a lot. Like, oh, yeah, well, well wor- guys throw harder after they have Tommy John. It worked with Dempster. It failed with Scott Williamson. It failed with the, whoever the hell you just mentioned. And more recently, even with the with the Theo, remember Scott Baker? He was one of those guys they were going to hope to flip, a Minnesota, former Minnesota pitcher. It didn't work with it, Drew Smiley, although he's, that's another he, one. Although he's still yeah. pitching in the big leagues now. But it didn't work for the Cubs because they uh, were told they had to cut money if they wanted to keep Cole Hamels, oh, and they had to trade is, Drew Smiley. Is Smiley actually pitching uh, back to the level he was? Because that would have been a shrewd... I don't know if he's any good, but he's pitching. 
And honestly, he'd be the Cubs. Uh, what? Well, that's second, what I'm saying. Second yeah. best starter, probably if he was still alive. He'd be a huge trade deadline piece for uh, Jed to yeah. wield. Yeah, I'd rather not think about that. Did we determine uh, Craig Monroe? I'm sorry. I know he. There was no real deadline deal in 2007. Well, they kept picking up guys out. all year long. So yeah, that's it. That's the what roster was. was constantly in flux. So every day was the trade deadline deal for the Cubs, but it somehow yeah. worked. By the way, Drew Smiley, 7-3 and three for Atlanta, bought a 4.48 ERA, but he's thrown 78 innings. Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he, you're right. He'd be right behind Hendricks. Yep. Maybe uh, maybe Jill to pick him up for the stretch run. Because uh, I don't know. Maybe the Cubs might not be might not be going to sell. They might, you know, they could get hot still. Oh, wait. I guess they, they probably can't. Hey, they could maybe win the division with 85 uh, victories, just like the 2007 Cubs. When the Brewers falter, just like the 2007 Brewers. It could happen. I don't think the no. Brewers are going to have a stellar record at the end. It's, it's, no? this, this is going to remind me very much of the, uh, of the 2006, when the Cardinals, for the longest time, felt like they were just comfortably going to win the division. And then they went on. Like a 9 or 10 game losing streak down the stretch. And nobody right? could fucking catch them because the Cubs yep. and Brewers were both bad and they just couldn't well, I think the win Astros enough games. Were still, right, and the Astros were in that mix too. The Cubs yeah. were bad, but the it was the Astros that kept stepping I feel like I remember that it was the only team that could catch them were the Brewers, and they just couldn't do it because they were bad. Oh, they sucked. Um, I'm going to look that up right now. People are like, well, isn't this over yet? Like, no, you're getting a bonus. <laughs> We're going into overtime. We're getting bonus talk uh, about the 2006 Cardinals. That's right. Because you know what, folks? Because of our stupid rule, we're, we're not going to do 2006 next week. So who knows when you're going to get yeah, any right. it was the Astros. They almost they, uh, they finished a game and a half back. But I just remember they could never – like the Cardinals yep. would lose, and they just couldn't take advantage of it. Phil Garner was their manager. They went 82-80 and 80 and missed the playoffs by a game and a half. And then the Cardinals allegedly won the World Series there. We'll see. Um, I have to do this because I just remembered it, and I know we're already like two hours long, but real quick, I talked about, uh, you know, meeting Frank and Chris and Mike at the Cubs game. We had a get-together at a rescheduled game in September against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals kind of faded out that year, and their hot acquisition, Joel Pinheiro, was pitching against Theodore Roosevelt Lilly, and another recipient at the time who – Coincidentally, we didn't hear much from after this game. He had his tickets available. He kind of sat near me, Brian. He just went by Brian, and I'd met him because I had seats nearby and see see him at some games and talk to him, make some small talk. Well, this game, I didn't have my own tickets, but Brian threw it out there because it was a rescheduled game, um, you know, in September. Uh, and the Cubs were kind of alive, and the Cardinals were kind of alive, and um, we decided to take Brian up on it and took the tickets and we rounded up Frank again. And this time, Andrew C slack and Andrew Peck. Um, and we went to this game. You might remember this. Uh, it was kind of an overclass over, over, uh, um, an Cast. overcast. Yes. Cloudy sort of a day, even though it was early September and Rick and Keel, uh, was now a center fielder for the Cardinals and had come back uh, and we either hit a home run or we'd strike out, but then more significantly right before this series had been busted after uh, ex- re- uh, accepting a shipment of HGH and um, was still playing. And in this game, uh, we're sitting in 204. Uh, it's kind of an obvious heckle, but we did get it going, and we know that we got credit for it because first time Akil comes up, we kind of start bellowing. 
H G H H G H. And then he strikes out and it kind of caught on a little bit. Mm. And the second time he comes up, we come out even and stronger and it's catching on even more. And at one point I like between the third and fourth times I went down to where my seats were and my Annie Ann was sitting there uh, with my cousin. And I sat there for the day. Hey, what were they shouting back there that last time up? Like, Oh, you know, H G H, you know, like, you know, didn't want to brag that I was the one that had started the chant. By the fourth time Ankeel had come up, uh, pretty much the entire grandstand area was chanting uh, HGH. And uh, and he struck out. He, he rewarded us with the golden sombrero. And we knew that this was, uh, you know, had kind of reached word beyond the ballpark because you had a other sort of a fan site dedicated to the Cardinals. And we were all hanging out at the Scipio called Viva Alberto's, oh, yes. which is like an SB Nation site. Yeah. And we saw we saw evidence of some of their posters saying, oh, we're hearing those fans chant HGH. What a bunch of classless losers. Like, it's not our fault. Rich, Rick Ankeel decided to take HGH and got busted. But uh, it was also a moment of pride that um, it, it apparently had reached over the airwaves. Um, but that's what happens when you put you guys, four, four, you guys didn't mix it up with the uh, dads in prison. Clap, 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 clap. You could have done that. Too. <laughs> we did not do that. No. <laughs> but I do know that. Uh, and I think we were pretty civil. Some of us are drinking. Uh, you know, Frank didn't really drink. But and I don't you know. We didn't, you know, really, you know, uh, use f-bombs or anything but apparently we may have rubbed some of the people the wrong way because brian had sent me a message like uh was everything okay over there (laughs) kind of he was hearing some word from his from his uh seatmates and then within a few months brian kind of stopped appearing at the scipio so i apologize if we cost you a uh well brian's listening to the podcast he can get in touch with me and i'll give him half off a subscription to the pointless exercise newsletter (laughs) And we'll throw in a we'll throw in a lawnmower while we're at it. Well, you can give him yours because I'm I've used mine. He wants a used one, I guess. All right. Well, I think we can put it in the books now. Now yep. that I got that one off my chest. All right. So the 2007 Cubs, maybe eh, is that the worst Cub playoff team? Uh, yeah. We talked about I, it last I, week, right? But it was either them or '98, and I just feel like '98 was actually better. And they I think the '98 team would have beat them. Sammy would have beat him by himself, probably. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it would be an interesting match, but it was nice that by this point we we were able to rank playoff teams in such a manner. But it was, yeah, it was quite a dud. So, um, you know, it's one for the books. Mark it down. Yeah, worst Cup playoff team until this one, until the 2021 Cubs come roaring after the after they dump everybody and they make this inexplicable run at the end. If you want to Sergio watch. Alcantara and Patrick Wisdom. If you want to invoke the Theo and, era, then you got you, last year is a pretty tall hurdle to get over. It's a bad playoff team. Yeah, you still yeah. had the remnants of a World Series team, though. It's hard that's to That's true. Yeah, it's a whole that's why we don't include it here. It's a whole different paradigm. And you had you Darvish who almost won the Cy Young. Nah, no, you're yeah. right. No, it's yeah, I think it's 07. I think they're the worst. I can go with that. Let's do it. Put in the books. They had low expectations in the playoffs, and they somehow came in under them. <laughs> Perfect. Put it on the headstone. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Many of us have herpes. 